welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Sam Master is here, and you still have not taken off your shoes. Welcome to another edition of the Dojo Talk Podcast. I am your host, Serial Sensei. We are on episode number 59. I'm back with my co-host, Antakul. It is a Saturday night at 8.47 p.m. What's going um, on, man? My man, um, you might want to check that date again. Oh, yes. Oh, Lord, it's Sunday. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's Sunday. Um, I'm gonna try not to sound tired this entire podcast. <laughs> I mean, I, I I do it every podcast. So yeah. Um, between yesterday and today, I've done a lot of driving. And don't get me wrong, my weekend's been awesome. But like, you would you just don't realize how much driving takes out of you until you finally get out the car and you sit down, and it's like it it just hits you all at once. But um, week weekend's been cool. It's been been a pretty awesome weekend. I can't complain. Um, oh, how's your weekend? Uh, today I learned that um, Amish romance novels are a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I also learned that the Amish can't read novels. Like like they're not supposed to. So hold on. So whoever made the Amish romance novel is either a rebel Amish or somebody who's just. And I I've been struggling all day. To, well, for that, yeah, like who 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 would write such a thing? <laughs> and then like who would read such a thing? And what's the what's the hook? <laughs> there's some, there's some weird Amish fetish out there. So somebody somebody found the the. Uh, the Amish fetish market and they have it cornered. Apparently, because this one company has like 50 million different Amish romance novels. <laughs> and like, I'm just sitting here like, what can you get out of this? Like, I, I get it if it's like... <laughs> if it's like, um... Ricky, what's... um like Like Victorian England. I get it, like forbidden romances, forced marriages, like all that good stuff, and I'm I'm not familiar enough with Amish culture to like get that, like to understand if that's something that's like rampant in like Amish country, but like that's really Like you could, you don't have to put it in Amish country to make it a thing. Like, like you can oh, just no, put they, it in the eighteen hundreds. They gotta, they gotta stand out. They gotta, they have to separate themselves from the rest of the. Like Ethan Frome is a thing. That's a book we have. <laughs> I wonder how many copies that 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 book is that book is selling. Oh, so it's a one book, or is this like a series? No, it's it's a disconnect. It's like an umbrella. Oh man. Oh yeah, they got, told you, they got the market cornered. Like Amish 
romance <laughs> novels. <laughs> and it, it's been bugging me all day. I, so I, I went in today on a Sunday to the library because we were we were um shifting books and I come across these 50 shades of Amish books <laughs> or what like and the first page he uses an iPhone <laughs> <laughs> okay here here we go the most Amish romance novels are written by read by evangelical Christian women what the three most successful authors of Amish romance, Beverly Lewis, Cindy Woodsmall, and Wanda Brunsle- uh, Brunstetter, have sold over 24 million books. What? <laughs> what have I been writing this whole time? <laughs> you see, you fucked up. I missed out. Ah, see, they, they, they probably have a monopoly on this now, so I can't even get in. Like they, You got to find a new angle. You, you got to make one of the Amish black. There we go. There we go. That that is really forbidden. <laughs> Twenty four million. That is ridiculous. Like, and, and you know what? This makes perfect sense to me because like all these women look like old moms. <laughs> like, because th- th- they're all egomaniacs, and the the back cover is literally just a giant picture of their face, <laughs> and they all look like. The worst of the '80s, like boring moms from movies. Oh man, there truly is. There's something out there for everybody. How like, you sold 24 million bucks and you don't have a Wikipedia page? Hey, that's that means they're balling undercover. Like that's those authors are just the regular people we see in Walmart and the produce aisle. But like, dude, they, they, like, like, hold up, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I can find a picture of this woman. Miss one, oh my! This woman works at a library. <laughs> like I just look, she's a librarian. Like I, I know it, I know it in my heart to be true. And she <laughs> writes this while she's sitting there in the middle of the day doing nothing. Oh man! Look at look at her. <laughs> All right, hold up. About this. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, she she either works at a library, or she is like, I I can't even say secretary. I don't even know if she has the. See, yeah. my my whole thing was like, this is, a this is appropriation, obviously. <laughs> and I'm like, I wonder how the Amish people feel about this. So, in the in the wiki in the wiki article here, it it, it has this um. Reactions to works of Amish romance among Amish themselves range from baffled by things like deadly buggy accident themes to repulsed <laughs> by evangelical notions of personal relationships with Jesus Christ, which are inconsistent with the Amish view of salvation. Some argue that the non-Amish authors fail to understand Amish theology and how it differs in key areas from mainstream Christianity. Thus they present characters who may appear Amish but maintain evangelical Christian worldviews. So they're doing to Amish what we do to like anime movies. <laughs> they're doing to the Amish what like Yeah, basically I, 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 like what? Why the Amish? <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know why, but somehow when I look at her picture, it all makes sense, and I don't know why it does, but. Oh man, yeah. This they, is this they is the hear Amish paradise, and they just ran with it. <laughs> this this is the lady, in the in in the produce aisle who's moving really slow in her cart, and I have to walk around her. Oh man, we got you guys with a history lesson. Soon as soon as the podcast started, no, none of you knew this existed. I'm I'm pretty sure. I'm sorry, you know it now exists. Right. Go go oh. read some uh some Amish romance, you know. Go to your local library. I'm sure they have <laughs> copies. We we literally have like. I'm assuming the reason these women have like 24 million copies so between them is because they each have like 30 to 40 different books by themselves. Man, I almost want to know like what is the mindset to write an Amish romance novel? But that that's a whole uh, nother. Apparently, it's to make a lot of money. Yeah, it, it worked. <laughs> Twenty. 24 mil. I can only hope one day. One day. One day. If I get outsold by an ominous romance novel, I'm going to, yeah, see. They gave me something to strive for now. I have new goals and new aspirations to reach, too. Oh, my God. There's an Amish vampire book. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. There's several Amish vampire books. <laughs> Vampires in space. <laughs> oh, that can't be real. That can't yeah. be real. Do, are you questioning me right now? You got it. Send it. Send the lead. Hold on. Oh no. Oh no. Guys, we're gonna talk about fight soon, but I have, <laughs> I have to see this. I have to see this. Hold on. I don't on. even watch you anymore. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Amish vampire in vampires in space. Uh, this author's name, Carrie Neitz, Netz, N I E T Z. This cover, um, yeah, um, I I wanted to hit my friend up, but it's like two o'clock where he is right now, and I wanted to ask him, Amish romance novels, why? <laughs> Oh man, so uh, you know, good. <laughs> for, for oh anybody. my God, they're called they're called bonnet rippers. <laughs> <laughs> the rabbit hole goes too deep. We got it. We gotta leave this alone. But for you guys out there, when the podcast is over, just go uh, just just go browse the world of Amish novels, and you got vampires, you got romance, you got everything. I'm pretty. There's got to be an Amish action novel out there somewhere. Don't Google that. <laughs> Don't Google it. <laughs> but there's got to be one. There's an Amish John Wick somewhere. <laughs> he's uh, he's out there somewhere. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Shout, shout out to the Amish people. I'm sorry that these they, authors are probably butchering your culture and your you know beliefs and. Well, for starters, the Amish don't believe in violence. Oh, right. <laughs> so, so Amish John Wick is a heretic. <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean, I guess if if that means they're butchering your culture, I guess that kind of means you made it, right? You're, you're that popular that people just want to. Weird you know. Al made a song about them, man. Like that's all they need. Yeah. Oh man. But. <laughs> uh, hold on, I got a segue here. Um, 
Speaking of often misrepresented, undervalued um, cultures in American society today, we have our first Navajo UFC world champion hey. and probably combat sports world champion, to be honest with you, because I can't think of another one. So the uh, Tough 26 finale went down on Friday. Did you watch it? Um, I was half watching it, but unfortunately I missed most of the main card. I was watching Tough 26 and Glory 48 simultaneously, but I, I had to work the next morning. So, uh, But I do, I do want to give some shout-outs, though, um, to the fights I did watch. Uh, Shayna Dobson and Ariel Beck. Uh, Shayna won by TKO. Uh, Rachel Ostevich had a nice armbar in her fight. Uh, Ryan James pulled off this wild comeback versus Andrew Sanchez in a fight where he was getting destroyed in the first round and came back like a zombie to win by TKO in the third. Um, but I unfortunately missed the main card, so I, I missed the, off, uh, the awesome calf slicer that I heard about that I didn't see. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to watch Sean O'Malley and Terry and Ware, but I missed that. And I wanted to, to support Roxanne, and then I ended up missing that fight, too. So I'm, I'm kind of upset because I was really looking forward to coming on here and saying, like, if JMMA finally has its savior, and it's perfectly fitting that she's a weeb. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, um, you're tough 26 your inaugural UFC flyweight champion and your tough 26 winner is Nico Montano. Um, I don't remember where she was in the house. One second. Uh, she was seated number 14 in the house. And didn't she beat, I can't remember her, like she beat like seed eight, four, something. Like she beat a lot of she, like. So she beat Lauren Murphy, Montana Stewart, and Roxanne Modafferi. Lauren Murphy was the number three seed. Montana Stewart was the number six seed. Barb Honchak was the number two seed. Roxanne was the number one seed. She beat the one, two, and number six seed, uh, uh, number three seed to win the title. Oh, wait. I forgot. We forgot to mention that Roxanne Modafferi was supposed to be in this fight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she got, didn't she? What, she, what happened? Okay, so um, Sajara uh, uh, Eubanks, who I believe is the sister of former UFC fighter um, Mike Easton. Don't quote me on that, but I feel like that's a, that's a sta- the, their brother and sister. Um, was supposed to be in the title fight. She had beaten Roxanne on the show. Um, she actually had a really good run through the show, to be honest. So she beat uh, Maya Stevenson by submission. She beat Deanna Bennett by knockout, Roxanne by u- uh, unanimous decision in a three-round fight. So I'm assuming that went the extra round. Um, but she ca- uh, she failed. I I don't know if she failed to make weight, or um, I, I don't know if she failed to make weight first or not. But her weight cut basically stopped her liver, and she had to go to the hospital, and she w- could not be cleared to fight. Ouch. Yeah, and if you watch the show, um, it was actually like a real a reoccurring theme that Eubanks almost died trying to make weight every time in the house. So this is not really a surprise, 
she's probably not going to be at flyweight. If, if like the UFC will probably keep her around, but if nothing else but out of spite, they'll probably force her to take fights at bantamweight. Which is fair because if you're cutting enough weight that your body is shutting down, you're probably in the wrong weight class. Yeah, that's still gotta suck. How do they make them like? You would think there's like, uh, I guess it can't really be like a safeguard, but like, you know, you're on tough, so you're fighting like pretty consistently, and you have to make weight every time. Like that can't be. Well, Eubanks isn't. I I want to say like she's fought her whole career like bantamweight or something. I think she had like one fight at um at flyweight. I could be wrong. No uh, flyweight, uh, f- bantamweight, bantamweight. She fought Caitlin Chikagian at flyweight once, and that was her only time making the weight. Uh, the other, her other two professional fights were uh, bantamweight. Hmm. Well, from what I heard, uh, Roxanne made the best of the opportunity to get that fight again. Uh, but once again, I didn't see it. But I heard it was a pretty great fight. I know it was a, like, like, again. Um, if you came into this and you're like, it's a UFC title fight, I expected better. You're probably not going to enjoy it. But if you came into this knowing that Montano still like has only been fighting for like two years, um, Roxanne Wadafuri is as great as she is. Her athletic prime was like ten years ago. Um. But it was a great action fight. Mataferi, uh with 30 seconds left, almost hit an arm bar. That all, like, it was in pretty damn deep. But at the last second, Montaigne popped out. Um, just like a crazy brawl on the feet, really. Mataferi was trying. Uh, like, Mataferi landed, rocked her like a few times, actually. Um, but Montagna stuck it out. She had the more consistent like stretch of where she was winning. Um, she landed. She didn't land like the big clean shots like Mataferi did, but she landed a, a lot more on volume and everything like that. And um, like props, like you beat the number one, two, and three f- fighter in the house. All three are top ten fighters. Like this is what the UFC wanted to happen with the flyweight season where Tim Elliott just ended up beating everybody well I'll have to go back and uh eventually watch that but yeah shout outs to to Nico first ever uh UFC women's flyweight champ unfortunately I'm not sure how long (laughs) she's gonna get a chance to hold that belt but you know I, I I expect her to turn into a really good fighter eventually like a Rose Namajunas type, she's nowhere near like the athlete Rose is, or has like the as deep an arsenal. But like she, she I, I expect her to grow in the UFC and like to do it well because the way she did it on the show, like just the, to do it in that type of atmosphere with like the like going to the season, she was talking about like oh, I'm going to try out for tough, and if I don't make it, that's it for this fighting thing. And her rep, her record's kind of deceptive because the, her two losses are to Pam Sorensen, who is I want to say like a top ten featherweight, and Julia Avila, who's a four and bantamweight. So when when your losses are really to like two other really good prospects, they really don't count for much, especially yeah. this early in your career. 
what I feel like her first title defense is gonna be against Paige if if <laughs> if Paige gets past uh I mean it's be- it's better than her first title defense being against freaking um Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah, yeah, that is that is true. <laughs> she, she, she's the best fighter in that division now. Yeah. But uh yeah, oh. shout out oh and then I was just gonna say, um just real quick the Sean O'Malley Terry Ware fight before we jump off because there's not really a whole lot to talk about from here like you said the only other interesting thing on this card was not interesting um the only other crazy thing on this card was Janice for Sanchez yeah but Sean O'Malley Terry and Ware O'Malley took a decision over Ware um won the first and the third was a he looked a lot like he did when he fought um I forget the man's name. When he fought in the Dana White Contender Series hmm. in the first, he was bouncing around. Uh, he was quicker. He was throwing a lot of volume. He reminds me of like a Bruce Leroy, but hits a bit harder. Yep, basically. Uh, yeah, he's really unorthodox. Um, he slowed down like ridiculously in the second round. Like Ware was lighting him up. But I think Ware overestimated how much he could push the pace because he pushed the pace for uh, the first two rounds pretty damn hard. Like O'Malley was like teeing off on him in the first, and Ware was just like trying to walk his way through it. Um, he did really good with the body shots, but like O'Malley just stormed back in the third round, like pulled it out of his ass and really just poured it on. And Ware was almost going out at certain points. Yeah. Shout out to Sean O'Malley though. He's a guy to keep an eye on. Like he, he seems like one of those guys that he'll win or lose, he'll put on fun fights. Yep. And Basically then, like a Bruce Leroy. <laughs> yeah. If you will follow him on Instagram, you can catch him like smoking weed with like Snoop Dogg. There you go. <laughs> Actually, before this fight, uh, uh he said something. About, uh, I, I'm gonna butcher the joke. He did say something about smoking a joint or smoking Terry on before this fight. I just can't remember the exact tweet. But, uh, yeah, so, Tough 26, new flyweight champ, well, first flyweight champ. Uh, I guess transitioning on to other news, we'll just, uh, run through a few of these real quick. Uh, I guess we'll do fight announcements first. Uh, Jacare versus Dak Brunson is finally happening. Uh, they have agreed to do the fight in Charlotte, so that'll be in Brunson's backyard. Uh, Duhu Choi and Jeremy Stevens. Derek Lewis, Marcin Tabora, Hector Lombard, and C.B. Dalloway. For some reason, that fight caught me off guard, but, you know, that's that's going to be a thing. Um, D.C. and Vulcan Ozdemir is now official. I don't have in front of me what pay-per-view that's on. 220. All right, there we go. Um, so, hey, man, that'll that'll be a <laughs> an interesting fight. We, we might see Vulcan fight for more than nine seconds. Um... That's pretty much, I believe, it for fight announcements. Oh, and for anybody that cares, uh, Hoist Gracie's son, uh, Connery, Connery, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, K-H-O-N-R-Y, Gracie, uh, will be making his Bellator debut, uh, his MMA debut at Bellator 192. I'm not sure if he has an opponent lined up, um, but yeah, that that's, that's the thing. Gracie's a <laughs> back at it. Uh... Donald Cerrone is dropping back to lightweight. He is allegedly not going to fight 80 times a year. 
so we'll, we'll see how that works out. And uh, GSP is out with some injury that I can't pronounce and I don't have pulled up in front of me at the moment. Uh, but he, he had mentioned it before, though. So Is it an uh, injury or is it like a sickness? Like I, I, I really don't know. I can't remember. It's called like colitis or something. It's some weird name. But he, he had mentioned it before. Um, I think he mentioned it before, like after he won the belt. Um, about something he had that had been bothering him. But So that that's... Um, not sure how long it's going to keep him out, but I guess he's, he's probably going to be out for like an unspecified amount of time, so who, who knows how long that'll be, but, um, yeah, it's pretty much, oh, and, um, I don't want to stay on this too long, but I, I guess we have to talk about it, and I'll, I'll let you tell the story because I didn't really click on it, I just saw it, and I was like, oh. That sounds crazy, but Connor's name is in it, so it's probably true. And then I just kept going on about my day. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, Connor is, uh, in, in, got himself into another little scrap, apparently. And this is all rumored, though Connor's kind of been teasing that it, it might actually be true, but, you know, he's also like a carny, so, um, so apparently Connor was in Crumlin, like in his home neighborhood in Dublin, and he went to the bar, and he got in a fight, and he ended up punching a young man, and an old man. <laughs> that that old man, like he's a old man, he's like in his fifties, but that old man was apparently the father of, uh, and I want to get the gang name right. Um, I want to say. Uh, uh, Kinahan. Kinahan? Yeah. Um, so it was reported in the, like, in the, uh, sports tabloids in, in Ireland that, uh, a celeb, a sports celebrity got into a fight at the bar and got, in, um, and ended up punching this man who is the uh, father of a local Irish mafia member, basically. And apparently, uh, people caught wind. Uh, apparently, like there were people there who were taking pictures of Connor, and that's where like the connection came from. And uh, apparently, now there's a nine hundred thousand dollar bounty on his head. It's a lot or, of greenbacks. Uh, not bounty so much as um, what's the word? What's the word when you have a hostage? Uh, ransom. Ransom, there we go. There's a ransom on his hand. Kinahan Cartel, that's what they're called. Um, and just so you know, the, like, the Kinahan Cartel is like a, like a legit mafia that is currently in a war with another cartel where like at least 10 people have already been killed. Um, actually, I, I don't think we were doing the show at this time, but um, there was a shooting last year at a uh, title fight in um, where was it? Uh, uh, I can't remember where it was. It might have been in Dublin, but um, Jamie Ka uh, Kavanaugh was supposed to fight against uh Antonio Bento for the WBO European lightweight title. What? But the event was canceled when um. The Kinahan cartel apparently showed up and shot 
Gerald Cavanaugh. Jesus. Who was a notorious gangster who was part of a, a, an enemy mob. It's real out here in these streets. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Gerald was one of the Kinahan mob's primary debt collectors and enforcers. His brother was also murdered by the mob. Oh. It's also worth noting that Connor was in attendance at Paul Kavanaugh's funeral. The um the the slain brother. So yeah. yeah. So th- this is more than whatever. Um like this might actually I... be a legit thing. And my favorite rea- my favorite reaction to all of this was Dana saying Jake Lamada punched a wise guy back in the day and they managed to work it out, so I think Connor will be able to work it out too. <laughs> And, and, and just so, just so I can tell the story again, it's also, re, it's also, you know, worth mentioning that Dana White got chased out of Boston when he was running a boxer size gym by uh, <laughs> what's his name, Whiteley, the boxer size gym, Whitley, something like that, something weird. Yeah, Dana oh, used man. to be a boxer size coach. Oh yeah, 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 I do remember that. That was a, a, a thing. So Dana yeah, had, I, I faintly remember hearing that story about him being ran out. Oh, and besides, he's like best friends with the Fertitta, so Dana himself is no has no um, illusions about what being connected with like the crime boss family is really like. So, you know, fun times. This is this is the sport we live in in 2017. We it's worth noting that Connor was in um, was in court earlier this week, and as he was for a, tra- uh, a traffic violation, I think he was speeding, um, and you know the tab boys were out there, paparazzi snapping photos, and asked him about the situation and about the threat on his life, and his response was, "Come and get me." <laughs> so either one, he's playing this up, which isn't a smart thing to do because I don't think you know the mob. Especially the mob that's currently in a gang war likes to be played with. Yeah. And uh, two, one, the other one being it's real and holy shit, you're an idiot. Kind of protect your neck. So it's not like, a game out here. You, you're gonna have to cut. You're gonna have to cut back on buying those expensive ass fur coats and start, you know, paying money for some bodyguards. Yeah. And maybe Fight, a, uh... and maybe a vetting process for those bodyguards. And maybe, uh, you know, the next punch you throw, hintity hint, maybe it could be at somebody who weighs 155 pounds. Yeah. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> so what you're saying is he should fight Nate Diaz. Oh, no. Let's let's not do that again. <laughs> let's, let's, <laughs> that's, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> so, you know, let's, just, let's not fight mobsters and old gentlemen. Um, yeah, man. Don't 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 get caught up out there. It's, you know, come come back and fight a legal fight that will not eventually involve guns and funerals in the near future. But that's uh, it's pretty much it for news uh, going on in the MMA world. So guess we'll uh, just get on to these fights that happened last night. UFC 218, Holloway versus Aldo two went down yesterday in Detroit. Um. Yeah, I I just I just just start from the top. Um, <laughs> Max Holloway, Jose Aldo, 
main event. Um, you know th this fight, this fight. What what do I start with this fight? I kind of had the same feeling about this fight as I did as the first one. Like it was almost exactly the same. Like the fight starts, and all those being really patient. I thought in I think in this fight compared to the first one, uh, I think he was picking his shots a lot more. I would figure maybe he was trying not to wear himself out because I feel like the first fight he, when he tagged him, like he would go in for the kill. This fight he was being a lot more patient, but he did eat some jabs for his troubles because he had like that cut under his eye by like the end of the first round. And it was weird though because I don't even think they even did anything in his corner after that cut. Oh, uh, no, they mentioned that. <laughs> Joe Rogan was like immediately on that. He's like, they put no. Yeah, that was. Yeah, it was still there. Like, yeah. It looked like nobody even touched it. But they put like no end swell on there or anything. So. Yeah, and you know, so for, first round plays out, and I'm like, all right, you know, you got this little cut under the eye. You got jabbed a few times, but you know, there, there were things he did I like. He, he was countering. He was he was picking his shots. I know not wearing himself out. He was doing leg kicks, which I was really excited to see. Not not as in a frequent volume as I'd hoped, but like they were there at least because they were pretty non-existent the first time they fought. But just like the first fight, man, you just, you knew at some point the tide was just going to change. And actually, I can't even really say the tide changed because it wasn't like the first fight where, like, Aldo, like, clearly took the first round of the first fight because he was tagging him uh, a bunch of times. Like, Holloway in this fight the entire time was pretty much in his face, jabbing him, throwing body shots, you know, Aldo was... Returning fire, but you you could just tell, man. At some point, Holloway was gonna cut it on, and it was gonna be over. And I think Holloway even yelled to Rogan after the first round, like this man's tired. And I mean, Aldo ended the first round on a strong note with that uppercut. And then, but you just see it, man. Second round comes, and pace starts to pick up a little more. And they would have these moments where they got into these little exchanges. And I started cringing because I just was <laughs> I was like, Aldo, don't get cracked and just get flatlined out here. But you could just tell, man, like when those little firefight moments started to happen, I was like, he's starting to get ready here. Super Saiyan three is coming like it's, it's only a matter of time. And then round three gets here and Holloway just does what Holloway does. He kicks it into a gear that you can't keep up with. And. As soon as the fight went to the ground, I just I dropped my head because I knew <laughs> I knew it was over. Like I, I just knew it was over. He he was tagging Aldo all up in that third round, man. And yeah, it, it went to the ground, and I just yeah, his face was all I don't know. It, it really hurt to watch this. <laughs> I hope my my feelings were really hurt, but. Yeah, man. Holloway just put it on him. I, I'm not even going to give, like, a super technical breakdown. Th this fight was pretty much like the first fight, minus Aldo having that moment in the first round where he, like, tagged him really hard. Like, So, how many strikes do you think Holloway threw in this fight that went 14, uh, almost 15 minutes? I feel like... Uh... I don't know. I feel like he didn't throw a lot. Well, but but like with what he did throw, 
Um, so according to Fight Metric, who has who has who's definitely gone back and like redone their um stats since yesterday? Because when I went to go look at the stats for the after, immediately after the fight, the number was like half of this. But Max Holloway threw four hundred and six strikes. Really? That's what Fight Metric is saying. It didn't seem like that. I mean, he, he pawed a lot with the jab a lot. And, like I said, they, they would have those little firefight moments. I know he tagged him to the body. I'm, sh- I'm sure it's times. inflated because of the ground and pound at the end. Okay, yeah. That, I guess that would make sense. But, yeah. but I, even I, with that, though. even He's averaging over 25 strikes a minute. J- to, to put that into context, although I think his average is like 11 to 12 a minute, It's weird because it doesn't seem like he throws that much. But it, at the same time, it kind of makes sense because he was he was constantly in Aldo's face. So I, I guess in a way it does make sense. And he didn't let up on that pace. If anything, every round the pace just went up. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> Hallway's like the best pace fighter in MMA right now. Um so this fight was actually went a lot like how I thought the first fight was going to go. And the first fight ended up being a little bit slower. Um, although ended up punch, I don't want to say he punched himself out of that fight, but like it, it seemed pretty clear he was never going to be able to keep up the pace he was setting in the first fight. Here, like you said, he was trying to be a little bit more slow. He was trying to take his time. He was trying to explode into everything. But Holloway was just forcing firefights to where like I want to I want to say Patrick Wyman put it best. Um, Aldo does what's best for the moment, like moment to moment. You really can't beat Aldo, but over the course of the fight, it's not always the smart thing he does. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, oh, this guy is going to give me his face to punch, and Aldo beat Holloway. Not in a lot. Like he beat him to the punch, uh, like quite a few times when he did throw first. Um, when he initiated like the exchanges, he was actually landing pretty smoothly. Like, and he landed those. Um, he found like creative ways to um, land that leg kick because we're used to him throwing it to like um, after the hook. So you throw that right hand, left hook to the body, leg kick type scenario. But um, but. Holloway just kept forcing, like, forcing Aldo to exchange with him. He was baiting Aldo to throw, and by the third round, like, Aldo just couldn't keep up anymore. Like, and the thing is, like, Aldo doesn't look faded at all. Like, he looked great, technically, athletically, like, mentally, he looked all there. Yeah, like against anybody else. He would have still been in that fight. Like he is legitimately still the number two uh, featherweight in the division, and still like one of the probably the best fifteen fighters in the UFC, regardless of weight class. It's just that Max Holloway is in every shape and form a stylistic nightmare for him. He's six years younger. He's but he's longer, and he still has a granite fucking chin. Which I yeah, don't, I don't think Aldo really has it anymore. It's still don't get me wrong, he's like cracked or anything, but like 
Yeah, yeah I, I was I was gonna say that. I noticed that he. It feel like Aldo feels the punches more than Holloway does. Uh, like, how I don't think, like after a certain point, it just be, it's just clear that Holloway didn't respect Aldo's punching power, like at all. And we saw it in the first fight too, where at the end of the second round, he literally just has his hands up in the air and is just like, "Why are you not hitting me?" All right. So. Like, Holloway's going to hold that featherweight belt for as long as he wants it. Yeah, like... <laughs> I'm still interested to see how him and Frankie would go. Well, Frankie's but... like the last fight for him. If um if Ortega doesn't win next week, like who hasn't yeah. Holloway yeah. beat? Yeah. And the thing is, like, even... And I, I love Ortega. He's, like, one of my favorite, like, prospects so to speak, but even if he beats Cub and gets a title shot, I don't know if I pick him. I don't think I pick him to beat to beat Holloway. Like, Holloway is just an, on another. And it's weird because it's not like Holloway, he's not like a, I'm trying to think of how to word this. There's nothing he does that's like super like flashy or, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know how to word it. Like, it's not like when Aldo was in his prime, like you, you knew like you got to watch out for these leg kicks. This dude's gonna, just going to kick your leg off. Like there's no like signature or anything or something like wild that he does. It's just like he's just extremely efficient and his pace is just a weapon. And he is legitimately one of the best strikers in MMA right now. Like uh, uh, he is. Uh, we haven't seen it against Aldo. But his shift punching and his ability to like switch stances is just like otherworldly. Like re- remember that body shot he hit on um Cub that just literally just broke him. Yeah, that was off a shift uh, where he was switching stances. Like it- it's insane some of the stuff like Holloway's capable of doing. I-, I honestly think like for Aldo he was just like I can beat Aldo in a boxing match, so let's just keep it there. I mean. <laughs> It works. Like, yeah. It, it definitely worked. And, yeah, like, it just seemed like there was a, I don't see a power difference, but like we mentioned earlier, man, his, his Holloway's chin is just made of granite. Like, Aldo hit him really clean uh, more than a few times, but he just seems to eat him like it's nothing. But if he tags Aldo, like, Aldo really feels him. <laughs> and well, Like, we know Holloway's chin's made of granite because, like, He's the only dude who's eaten every like every ounce of power Condor has, and like come away fine. Like, right. He he never got rocked. He got beat up a little bit in that first round where McGregor's ACL wasn't torn, but like he wasn't getting flown halfway across the ring like Nate Diaz was when he was getting tagged. Right. Yeah, man. Holloway's a scary dude. Um. Yeah. If if, if Frankie can't take that belt. Um, and uh, to be honest, at this point, I don't, what, earlier I would have picked Frankie, now I'm just, I'm not so sure, <laughs> like, Ho- Holloway just seems to be, like, a different, a dude's just a different breed. Well, like, Edgar has, like, a reputation for being a pace fighter, which I don't think is really fair, in terms of, like, output, he moves a lot, but, in terms of output, like, um, Holloway's just so far ahead of him. Like, it's not even funny. Like, you look at some of his stats where, like, Edgar goes, like, five rounds. 
Like he is not putting up the type of numbers Holloway's putting up in like three. Because again, according to fight metric, he threw four hundred <laughs> strikes in fifteen minutes. And I would wonder what the breakdown is like, because it it seems like his output goes up every round. Like from two to three, his output jumped like incrementally. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna look back at the cub fight, which is mostly on the feet. Um, don't crap out of me, fight. Uh, he threw that fight went about 14 minutes. He threw 200 strikes. Jesus, that's insane. And it's not only does he throw that many; like he's a very efficient striker too. Oh like, yeah, no, he's, he's not. He's not. He's not just winging punches. He, he's not. As, like this expo- the explosive puncher that Aldo is, but that's still like an insane amount of output. Man, yeah, good good luck to anybody at forty five who plans on taking that belt. <laughs> you, got, you you got a tall task ahead of you. I right, now I was thinking the, the the inevitable thought after this fight, um. I don't know what you're about to say, and they're already tweeting at one another. Oh, no. I, I was going to say, well, oh, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> I feel like for Aldo, like... Oh, Aldo, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't like kicking people out the door, because I feel like he still has a lot more in the tank, and I think he could still put on a lot of fun fights. Um. So I, I don't know if he wants to just stay around for that, but I feel like he doesn't strike me as a guy who really wants to do, like, fun fights. <laughs> like, he, he strikes me as somebody, like, I you know, I, I want to fight for the purpose of getting a belt and being a champ. Yeah. Um, But it, it just seems like at, at 145, that's, you know, that's, that's, as long as Holloway has that strap, I, I don't think that's going to happen. And, I mean... If if you want to avoid the weight cut and go up to one fifty five, it's not like fights get any easier up there. Well, uh, uh, um, that's a, that's something we forgot to mention. Like, both of these guys look terrible on the scales. Man, although <laughs> I saw that picture on Twitter, this dude was leaned over on the scale like he was near death. Like, yeah, like for Aldo, maybe the fights don't get easier, but like the weight cuts do. Yeah, that is true. As long as so. he doesn't fight like Tony Ferguson, I, I don't know how many guys are going to be able to put the type of pressure on Aldo that um, the Holloway does. The Holloway does, and yeah, I, like I'd love to see the Pettis fight. Like that, that's the one fight I'd really like to see. If the, if the, he has to fight again, and now tell me what he, where he's at like physically when he comes to like lightweight. All right, but like I, yeah. I, I don't want to see Aldo at featherweight anymore. Yeah, I mean, at at this point, even though you've dropped two in a row, I, I think it's still solidified. You're pretty much still the goat featherweight. Like I don't think you have anything else to really prove in that division. Like you were king for God knows how long. <laughs> so yeah, man. I mean, yeah. If you want to go up to fifty-five, there are definitely fun fights up there for you. And, yeah, I I don't want to see him retire because I'm a fan. But if he does, I wouldn't be mad. I don't think he has anything left to prove. But, yeah, if, if you go up to 55, I, I guess we can finally get the Pettis fight. That should have happened, like, eight times already. But, you know. Remember when they were scheduled to fight each other? 
like, I still remember, like, the pictures and stuff that they took. <laughs> I was so hyped for that fight, and it just never, yeah, just never happened. But I guess now it's better than ever, though, because what, all those coming off two losses, Pettis is coming off the loss to, um, to Poirier. Yeah. Both of them are kind of at, like, this weird crossroad in their career, so to speak. So, yeah, now now better than ever. Why why not make the fight? I'm I'm definitely for it. Um and as for Holloway, um you I almost hope <laughs> I love Cub, but for the sake of a new face that Holloway hasn't beaten, you know, I'm kind of pulling for Ortega to pull out this W, but then we also have rumblings of, you know, Holloway versus Connor. But I'm gonna just dead that already because Connor's not fighting. So Connor's never. Uh, I'm pretty sure Connor's never gonna fight again. Yeah. So you guys can get excited for that fight, but it's not. It's not gonna happen. It's, it's, it's not a thing. He's, he's gonna. All... He's gonna be the longest reigning UFC lightweight champion ever, but he he will never fight again. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it sucks because like, and and not to diminish Connor's win. But like he he beat Max when Max was still kind of green a little bit. You know, he, he, Max was twenty one years old. Yeah, like he he wasn't the Max that we know now, and and I'm not, I'm not saying like Holloway's a guaranteed, you know, win if if they rematch. But I, I that's uh, that that fight definitely goes different. Like uh, I think he can definitely put Connor in some bad spots. Um, I I pick Holloway to be it to be honest. Yeah, with that chin, like that, that chin, <laughs> that pace, and just yeah, down the stretch, it's all him. Yeah, it's, and thing is, he's gotten so much better since then, like leaps and bounds. And he was already a beast at twenty one, and now he's like putting it all together. But yeah, that fight will probably never happen. Yeah. So it's, it's 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 fun to dream. <laughs> you no, know, you know when that fight will happen. It'll happen if. Holloway becomes a pay-per-view draw, and I, I hope to God he does because, like, he—if anybody deserves to be, he does. And the winner of the Coleman event does. Oh yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> shout outs to Holloway. Great win, Hawaii stand up. <laughs> you guys got a champ who's just out here beasting on people and probably won't be. What is giving... what a weekend for the indigenous people of combat sports? Killing it. Yeah. Killing it. We'll, we'll get to uh, another Hawaiian later, but uh, yeah, on to future stars and <laughs> people who hopefully become draws. Uh, Francis Ngannou, Alistair Overeem, co-main event. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, just just context for this fight. So I I missed a lot of this card last night. I didn't get to watch most of it in real time. Um, the only fights I saw in real time were the Sergio. From Sergio on, I saw the rest of the card in real time. When this fight came on, um, I actually watched the card muted. Um, I spent just the entire time just waiting, just waiting for that inevitable moment that I knew was going to come. And I felt it in my soul after <laughs> Overeem comes out, he throws his wild left hand. He goes in for the clinch. As soon as the clinch situation didn't work out, I knew it was over. Yeah. Because that was the one moment where I was like, well, because Overeem definitely has, like, underrated grappling that 
he he uses sometimes, but we don't see it often. And that was the one area where I was like, well, if he can get Ngannou down, we haven't really seen Ngannou off his back all that often. And yeah, clinch situation didn't work out. He couldn't get a takedown, couldn't get any knees off. Y'all, when was the last time you saw Overeem big brother like that? Right, like, <laughs> like, and Ganu shrugged him off like he was like, like a child, and Overeem's a big dude, and he just like it was like, no, we're not doing this, like, like, and then he tr- then like there was a moment where Overeem tried to get out, like tried to turn him, and, like and Ganu just calm as fuck, just turns him back <laughs> into the cage, like it was nothing. Yeah, man, this and Ganu is just like dwarfed Reem. Too. Like I, I, I don't know why it didn't occur to me like, beforehand, but like he was significantly bigger than Reem. Yeah, that that that's a scary dude, man. And we still haven't gotten to the part where he did right <laughs> from this earth. You know, I was I was worried for Reem, and it was it was fitting that he got KO'd the way he did because he <laughs> he was doing this weird thing where he only did it once, and then he got what well, we'll get to it, but. I get it. He was trying to duck. I I think he was envisioning incoming bombs, and I don't. It was something about just the way he tried to duck the punch. I don't know if he was just like hanging out down there too long, like he was just afraid. But like, <laughs> so he goes the duck, comes back up, and he gets met with a Sagat uppercut that like shovel punch from hell. It was like a video game knockout. It's like when you do the final finishing move. <laughs> like, it was like he charged up everything in that that one punch and just unloaded. And just the way he, the way his head snapped back. Like that was straight out of like a comic book. Right. <laughs> like, it was. It was really like reused shuriken. Like I thought was, Overeem's neck was broken. It was. <laughs> And like I, I knew, I, I had a feeling Overeem was gonna get flatlined, but it's it, it looked way worse than I even envisioned. Cause like not only did he get uppercutted and like his head just almost snapped off, he hits the ground, he eats a one extra ground and pound shot that didn't even need to happen. But he is stiff as a board when he hit that. <laughs> like if you go back and watch it, his toes are curled up. Yeah, from impact. That, Jesus Christ. And props to Overeem. He posted on Twitter like this morning about, you know, he gave Nganu props for the knockout and now he's got to go back to the drawing board. Bro, I'm glad you're just alive. Like, I'm glad you're still on this planet with us after that uppercut because that... So, real talk. How has Nganu not murdered somebody? (laughs) Because, like, he was fighting, like, just straight up like scrubs in France or not in France but like wherever they could get him a fight before the UFC because that punch would have killed a lot of people like me and you included yeah yeah I would have yeah I would have died off a grazing of that punch like it wouldn't even have had to hit me fully like that that punch literally would have knocked out any human being who has ever walked the face of the earth (laughs) So, Jesus Christ, like, 
Yeah, if there's anything you watch off of this card, like you... like this made it to like number one on like the um, all page on Reddit. It was so savage. Like, <laughs> did you see? Did you see the Photoshop of him in what in the One Punch Man? <laughs> <laughs> And you know what made it even better, man? I know Ngannou's, like, English isn't the best. But he, he gave a nice little post-fight, you know, interview. And this this guy is just, he's scary, man. This this guy is a frightening. And just... It sucks. I mean, it doesn't suck. It's obviously, like, the best thing ever. But he seems like the nicest guy. Right. Like, <laughs> he's like the gentle giant. Like he's like I I wanted to be a boxer like Mike Tyson but like nobody believed me I'm like wait you're fa- like what the fuck are you six four two hundred fifty right <laughs> why are people not believing you and he's like I, I left France I was homeless in France and then there was like these nice people that helped me find a job and then I found a gym and blah 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 like like you go through his story like he just he's just like the greatest it's like the greatest come like he's just great. Yeah. He's like such a cool dude, and and then oh. he punches somebody. Like, that I can't. Like, that was legitimately like the mo- the scariest punch I've ever seen landed on a person. And it just it seems even scarier now after seeing that that sports science that they did on him. They made up a freaking unit of. I don't even know what they were measuring, like pressure. In, I, I don't know what they were measuring. They made up some, uh, some unit of measurement to measure the punch. <laughs> <laughs> and got, uh, is it Enganu? Engano? Gano? I say Enganu. I, I don't know what it is. I, I'm going to say Enganu, just so we have our bases covered. <laughs> just, they made up a unit of measurement for a punching machine just so they could measure how hard Enganu punches. Man, and then he uses his post-fight speech to um, bring attention to the slave trade that's going on in Libya. Like, how do you right. not love this man? That's what I'm saying. Like, this, this guy is a national treasure. Like, international treasure. Yeah, best fighter Africa's produced since like Azuma Nelson. Like, man. So, uh, and according to Dana. This will be the one thing from Dana, I believe, only because it's the heavyweight division, and you have to make this fight. I, I legitimately uh, think Dana's afraid of him, because I, <laughs> I think that was his reasoning for giving Stipe the title of Vegas for Doom. Oh, man. But, yeah. Nganu, Stipe, that's, allegedly that's going down. I don't think it has a date, but like that's that's definitely supposed to be the next fight. Um, I'll say this. Uh, Stipe, protect your neck, your chin, your whole upper body area. But on the same token, if Stipe beats Nganu, dude, Stipe is like, <laughs> like he's in untouchable territory. Well, like, like, like to me, he's kind of already there already. Yeah, he's he's there already. But like, but like, yeah, no, this this is like the scariest thing that Stipe could face. Yeah. If Stipe gets out of this and wins, or like even crazy, like if he managed to like knock Ngannou out, there's no question Stipe is like the heavyweight goat. Like, 
He might even already be there, but this would just solidify it. He's at least the best UFC heavyweight champion there's ever been. Right. But uh, like, w- Without wait, question. But real quick for Alistair Overeem. Like, I, I really like Overeem's attitude towards fighting. Like, this is, I don't want to say it's like a game to him, but like, he seems to really enjoy the process. Like, there's a dude who has switched up his style so much after he was already, like, a 30-40 fight vet. Right. Because, like, this Overeem versus, like, the Reem we saw in Strike Force, completely, night, completely night different. Day, yeah. Yeah. And what got him here is probably not sticking to his new formula where there was no, like, like he... I, I know he was ducking down and everything, but, like, they had to know going to this fight, like, the only way they were going to win this fight is either they get the takedown. That didn't work. So the other, the only way that was gonna get, he was going to win the fight was if he pot-shotted him. If he tried to draw the counter of Ngannou and um, countered off of that and only stuck with one shot so he didn't get in a firefight. I was surprised he didn't do any leg kicks or anything. I think he just didn't want to give him the opportunity to hit him because, like, and and um length like reach is like what he's an eighty three, eighty four inch reach. Ooh, yeah, like <sighs> his whole game plan should have been hard feints and pop shots. Like, do what you have to do to get away. Right, live <laughs> just just live and have slightly more output <laughs> than Ngannou. And then just live, like but, pump, like the pumping clutch. You know, you throw the overhand right, grab him, push him away, and like escape that way. Like, because <laughs> he, he like, like there was no way Engan uh, was going to like do anything in the clinch. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we we saw like he we talked about how he big brothered Wolverine, but he really didn't do anything with it. We landed a foot stomp. I don't know. And gone to foot stomp probably hurts pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, but, like how many I'm I'm curious how many Nganus are there in like West Africa? Just like six four six five big men who are who too just need a chance. Who, who just need something to do because they're too big to play soccer or um to run track. So they literally just do construction like Nganuda did. Man. Somebody better do some scouting. Yeah, I do. <laughs> if I'm ATT, I'm on a... If I'm the head coach from ATT, I'm on a plane there tomorrow. <laughs> just be like, hey, you want to be a professional fighter? You're running up to any random guy. <laughs> any random six foot four behemoth of a man. Just be like, hey. You want to make money like Francis does? Here's a glove. Here, take these. We're just going to teach you how to fight. We're going to see how hard you months. punch. All right. Tell your family we'll be back in about three, four months. Oh, man. But, yeah, this this dude is uh, he, he's something else. This this guy is, is something else. Like I legitimately um, think Ngannou could have been like a world champion boxer if he was at like um, uh, uh if he had started training when he was a kid. Yeah. Like, if he had had, like, a proper infrastructure, like, I don't know how... I, I don't think Cameroon's amateur slash system is as good as some of the other African countries. 
make to know uh, South Africa. So, opportunity missed on being the next Mike Tyson. But he's he's about to own the MMA world. I don't know, man. I don't know about uh, Stipe. I don't know, bro. <laughs> I don't know. But th- like, this is the first time I feel like I'm getting like two prime and ready like heavyweights. Right. Like, because even even with Redoom, Overeem, and like Junior Dos Santos, like there was something in that fight where it just felt like um, you know, the, the path to victory was a little bit more clear because these guys are kind of old and shop worn, like. I don't think Encarno's been hit once since he's been in the UFC. And, and he that's, has a, not, not, that's yeah. another thing, though. Like, for uh, like this, he, he beat the number two guy in the division. He's still pretty much untested because nobody can test him. We'll see. Stipe, you got to break the cycle. Without Don, many have come before you. Many have gotten their heads knocked off. Some have even flown. <laughs> so, Poor Olofsky. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, man. Francis Ngannou, this, this guy, if you don't know him by now, you need to get familiar. Because whoever your favorite heavyweight is, if it's not him, he's probably going to knock them out if he hasn't already. So, um, yeah, man. Big shout-outs to him. Shout-outs to Overeem. I'm glad you're still with us on Earth. Um. <laughs> Real quick, speaking of um, UFC championships, Tim Sylvia is about to make the walk in a grappling tournament against Fabiano Scherner. Oh lord! So be on the lookout for that, y'all. <laughs> I hope that's like not a main event of whatever event that is. Oh, it better be. <laughs> Oh man, moving on down. Uh, next fight: Henry Cejudo, Sergio Pettis. Um, fight wasn't. What's the word I'm looking for? Amazing. Yeah, not. It's not as amazing and eye-opening as I hoped it would have been. But nevertheless, um, it, it in a, in a way at the same time it, it kind of went the way I thought it would. Um. That Suhudo's grappling, if he chose to use it, which he definitely did in this fight, would just kind of be too much for Sergio. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> they they did trade on the feet uh, a little bit, but as soon as it went to the grappling, like you just clearly saw who was the better grappler, and he just kind of took Sergio down and kind of beat him up a little bit for three rounds. Not anything really flashy. Um, not at, at all like the Hayes fight where he just almost killed the man, but it, it was a one-sided performance. Not the most exciting thing to watch. Well, I, I can't say it was like boring because it's not like he wasn't doing anything. I just, I don't know. I feel like after the Hayes fight, I was looking just for a little more, I don't know. I, I guess I just wanted to see a finish. But either way, pretty, pretty dominant fight. I, I think he establishes himself as a... Well, I, I guess you establish him as next in line, pretty much. I, I don't know anybody else at this point you you would put above him. But, um, well, I, I don't know how the DJ Garbrandt thing, if, <laughs> if 
if if that's still happening, if he even gets title shot or how that's going to turn out. But assuming DJ doesn't go up or if the Garp, I mean, the Dillashaw fight doesn't happen, pretty sure he just locked himself in for the rematch. Uh, <clears throat> um, yeah, like you said, like it, it was a good win for Toledo, but it it was a step in, like, a no one's going like after the haste fight. People wanted to see Cejudo, DJ too. After this fight, I don't think and like anybody is ex- is anywhere near as excited because this was the same Cejudo that beat Chris Carriasso and um, Chico Camus. He just did it like a little bit cleaner. All right, and like the, 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 there's there's no building actually, like off of what he's done in the past, like. He got the took the takedown. It, like he landed some ground up in the first round, but it kind of like just tapered off, and he was just like working for um, that ride position he really likes. That wrestlers really like where like he's just not quite. He doesn't have the hooks in on the back, and he's just sitting there like with the one arm locked up. And and don't get me wrong, that's a like it, it, like what he was doing was like next level stuff, but um. This isn't, oh, we have a healthy alternative to TJ, um, DJ, so we can we can go ahead and make that fight if this Garbrandt fight doesn't come through. This was, oh, this is another guy for DJ to fight after he gets done with Garbrandt. Yeah. Also, shouts out to Danny Brown, <laughs> Detroit rapper Danny Brown, who um, apparently was playing Peacekeeper during the fight. Because a fight broke out in the audience, it got so much attention that Joe Rogan or whoever was on commentary mentioned it. No, it was Rogan. Yeah, um, mentioned it. It was a, a, um, I can't remember. It was Brett Akamoto who was ringside who mentioned it was a man in a first suit who who stopped who, who <laughs> was apparently playing peacekeeper, and um, yeah. No, um, th- there were people intended saying it was Danny Brown. Shout out to Danny Brown in the first suit. <laughs> I like Danny. I've actually never listened to a Danny Brown album, believe it or not. You never listened to Triple X? Nah. Or old? Like, I never listened to that. Didn't listen to Atrocity Exhibition. Like, I hear him on features, but, like, it's just his voice. I don't know if I can listen to that for a full album. Fair. Like, I, I feel like he's screaming at me, and I don't appreciate it. Uh, he was on some <laughs> song with Elzai forever ago that I heard, and I'm like, is is this jo- like is his voice a joke? But no, apparently that's just how he raps. Yeah, that's just how he sounds. But he, he's a good rapper though. Like, it, it, but it's just that voice. It it, it it's too it's too much for me to handle. But I'm, I'm glad he's out there breaking up fights. Wouldn't um. One thing I want to mention about Sergio real quick. I feel like we've said this about him before. Like, by the third round, I'm pretty sure he knew he was down 2-0. And yeah. Yeah, man, there just wasn't any... I mean, I get it. You don't want to just go out there flailing any old thing and get knocked out or, you know, get countered and, you know. But it just it didn't seem like there was any urgency. Like, he went out like it was the first round. Yeah, and he was just kind of just going through the motions, and there was just no like he just did he didn't go for it like and it's 
it sucks because like he's I've I've seen him like he's getting better. I feel like in the last few fights he's he's gotten a lot better, but there's still just like something missing in his game, and he's literally like the exact opposite of his brother. Like Anthony is like all urgency, like no process, like like no shits given. Uh, he's just down for whatever. And like Serge, like Sergio, like just seems like reluctant to um to let go. Like he he does not want to enforce his will on anybody. Yeah. Like he's just and it's not like he has bad hands or. Do he like we, we we've said it before? He like I think he's technically more sound than his brother. Like he throws punches and kicks like with a lot more thought into what he does, but. What he wants to do isn't conducive to beating elite level fighters. Like he just wants oh. to coast. I wonder if he just—I don't know—and this is just hearsay, just me going off on a tangent. I wonder if he just like gets in his own head that like I don't know he he maybe he just overthinks it and he just or he's just so comfortable with what he's doing that he doesn't pull the trigger. Like he's just yeah I don't know it's it's weird. It's weird. But, I mean, dude's only, what, like, 24? Yeah. But I feel like at the same time... He's also been know, fighting still... for, like, six, seven years. Yeah, so I feel like at around this time, like, there's got to be... There's an extra step I feel like he's got to take. Because, I mean... Suhudo's definitely dangerous on the feet. Probably, I would say, Suhudo's a lot more explosive with his strikes. It seems like he, he throws with pretty bad intention, like, every time he throws. Yeah. And it just seemed like Pettis just wasn't trying to match him. Like, he was just kind of just hanging out. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's really just weird to watch because I'm, I'm, he's really talented. But it's, it's just not all there for some reason. The dude, the dude just literally fights at one speed. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And it's like if that speed works for him, he, you know, he can stick with it. But, like, when things go wrong, there's no, like, there's no backup plan. There's no... He's just consistent to stick with what he's doing and hope that it works. But when it doesn't work and you have to switch it up, like there's no, he just doesn't switch it up. And it's really weird because like Pettis's losses have come from him. Like <clears throat> he's winning, he's winning, he's winning, and then he lost the fight. Right. So or maybe he was just tired from being grappled to death. I don't know. That's <laughs> another thing. Like, dude, like I don't know if it's. Duke Rufus is like coach because I don't think it's Anthony Pettis. Um, not Anthony Pettis. I don't think it's Ben Askren anymore, who does wrestling over there at Rufus Sport. But like, this dude needs to be on like a grappling mat and a wrestling mat with somebody who's going to teach him how to scramble up. Because they they are way too happy to just sit and guard and just try to play the jujitsu game. Like that doesn't work unless you're like Charles Oliveira and even then it only works like some of the time right but um, I guess you know solid win for Cejudo <clears throat> I, I guess he gets himself in line for a title shot but not really sure how it all pans out DJ might be fighting Dillashaw for all we know but um, yeah I don't really have <laughs> much else honestly to say about that fight um, but this next one, man, 
Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje, All Violence Championship. <laughs> um, before before it's a fight, I want to bring up like this little thing I saw in the uh, the, the video package they had before it. Hmm. Like I I love that how like they had they started off with Justin Gaethje like they talked about like my so Justin Gaethje delivered like my favorite line in the history of maybe ever where he was like yeah I'm totally okay taking everything from Eddie Alvarez's kids his family <laughs> I'm just like there's my champion. Yeah, man. Some some people are just they're cut from a different cloth than the rest of us. Dude, and uh, dude, did you see his tweet about this fight, like where he congratulated um Eddie? And it, it was like the most bizarrely poignant thing I've ever like. No, I saw Eddie's congratulating him. No, I didn't see his though. Um, with Justin said, um, congrats, Eddie Alvarez. Thank you for the dance. That was fun. Win or lose, this hurts. <laughs> just in case oh, she's man. legit just here for the violence right like there's no <laughs> there's no other point just just fight like yeah I also and I'm, I, I'm, I also like how they tried to connect the two in the video because they go from Gaethje doing his backflip after um knocking out Michael Johnson to Eddie Alvarez doing his backflip after he knocked out somebody in like a lead XC <laughs> like they just intercut that really it was really nice so they wanted to shut that out before we talked about them murdering each other I'm so glad this fight turned out like the way it did cause there was so much hype around this fight and I was like I'm, I'm glad this wasn't a fight that ended in like two seconds where somebody just got flatlined real quick like I feel like we got the violence we were looking for the only thing I was kind of surprised about is that, like, I mean, they, they were definitely damaging each other, but, like, nobody got, well, all right, he got dropped at the end, which we'll get to, but nobody was, like, repeatedly getting floored over and over again. Oh, yeah, like, I, I kind of expected this to be, like, the, the, the Gaethje Johnson fight or the Poirier uh, Alvarez right. fight. Like, where everybody, they're just falling over the cage and <laughs> trying to just live while throwing bombs, but... Um, now, this was some yeah, sophisticated violence, bro. It was, it was. And to be honest, I think, to me, what made the difference, like, as much as Alvarez is, like, the toughest dude on earth, he, he he's a brawler, but I, he, he definitely has good technique. Like, he's not just throwing crazy, I mean, he does get, get in firefights, I can't say he doesn't do that, but I think he was more technical out of the two, and I think that helped him a lot in this fight, though Gaethje... Gets a lot of credit for these leg kicks that were just murdering <laughs> Alvarez's leg the entire fight. And for people, who, if you don't, if you haven't watched um like any Gaethje's fights pre UFC, like that is a nasty weapon of his that he uses. He, the dude has some really brutal leg kicks. He stopped like a couple people with them. Yeah, like and. It's kind of weird because it's not like the Aldo kick where it has like this super quick snap or anything, but like he just he could just lands them repeatedly over and over and over, and they just—it's like he's swinging a baseball bat, basically. Right. <laughs> um. But yeah, I love the leg kicks that he was doing. I loved how Eddie was mixing in body shots, man. Those body shots were beautiful. That's what won him the fight. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, 
get, get I mean, they, they were going to be tied regardless in the third round just because of how they fight, but that those accumulations of body shots mixed in with, like, the uppercuts he was landing in the clinch, like, but those body shots definitely just probably took a lot of air out of Gaethje, and th this fight was what you thought it was. It was violent. It was good technical violence of these two just slugging it out, but I, I just think Alvarez was a bit more technical. Uh, it's just, like, I could, he's just so great in the pocket. Yeah. Like, and, he was... For as much as he got hit, when Gaethje was throwing those uppercuts and those hooks, like those the, the things he was beating Michael Johnson's life out of him with, like just a fantastic head movement, like literally just like a small dip backwards and he's out of range of the uppercut. It's right. glorious. And that just that last knee. <laughs> It was like Gaethje's this health bar was at one, and then he gets he gets hit with the knee, man. It's like he just has nothing left. Like there's just there's nothing left in the tank. And he was the dude, he was complaining when he became like conscious that he stopped the fight while he was still breathing. I guess right, <laughs> but he he was definitely out of it, man. Like these dudes, they literally they went in there and they just emptied out the tank. Um. Yeah, probably one of the best fights of the year. I don't know if I would put this above the Gaethje Michael Johnson fight, but it was still great. It, it nonetheless, it, it, this was the the fight you wanted to see. So, by the end of the year, um, Gaethje and Alvarez will have like two each of the best fights, like fight of the year candidates, okay. and one of them will likely be like the winner. It probably Johnson, um, Gaethje, but that's insane. And j just to put this in perspective, man, um, I'm waiting for this to load up. So, Eddie Alvarez, man, let, let's look at the bodies this man has on his record. Justin Gaethje, Rafael Dos Anjos, Anthony Pettis, Gilbert Melendez, Michael Chandler, Patricky. Aoki, Pat Kern, uh, if we count Roger Welter for whatever that's worth, Kawajiri. The point being, like, this dude has some bodies on his record. Like, he's one of the greatest lightweights ever. Of all, yeah, one of the greatest lightweights of all time. Like, this dude has beat top level competition, just like forever, and. The way he fights, like I'm, it's crazy that he's just even still around. <laughs> like his chin hasn't failed him yet, and he just, cause like th this fight isn't. If you've been watching Eddie fight for a while, like these fights aren't anything new. Like this is what he does. This is, but he's better just, than what he's done. Like this is right. This is legit, like his best performance ever. And it's just like. I just don't get how, like, a guy who gets in this many wars is still around, like, and still beating top-level competition, and, yeah, man, like, he, he earned the nickname the Underground King, like, he, he, he really is that dude, man, like, like, imagine that this fight was on Fox, like, because this, this should, like, I was, I was gonna say, because there's only, like, a minute left around, um, that shit this should have been five rounds 
because those leg kicks were really starting to get to Alvarez. I wanted to see how he dealt with them. Yeah. But then that ooh, that that knee literally came out of nowhere. It did. It did. Like they were both had each other wrapped up up top, like head and shoulder, and then like all of a sudden Alvarez is throwing a knee. Which was like the slowest knee ever, by the way. <laughs> yeah, because when I when I heard he got KO'd by knee, because I didn't see the fight in real time, I was like, oh, it was like a flying knee or just like some really hard clinch knee? No, like they were just holding each other, both Exhaust- near death. Yeah, like, <laughs> they did a dance like all the way. <laughs> they were holding each other like all the way around the octagon and just happened to like get back to the center. And Alvarez just kind of throws his knee up there and it just... It just lands, and then, like, a second later, Gagey just falls out, like, health bar depleted. <laughs> um, yeah, man, this fight was, was awesome. Um, I can't wait to – and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping the Alvarez and Poirier fight, if I hope that gets uh, gets run back. Um, I don't care who Gagey's fighting next. Just get him back in there. Like, Hopefully, it's like, seven months from now. Yeah, yeah, he probably uh, probably needs that break. And Gaethje's like a two fight a year dude at most. Unless, and unless that's, he literally slaughters some human, like the other dudes, like because he's just going to always be in wars. And th- this was Gaethje's first loss. Took took eighteen fights for him to finally take a L. That's insane because <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. Like I, I I will always give Gaethje props for being more technical than people say he is. But at some point, like, a dude with this style of fighting loses. Right. And he's mad. At, and he's come close. Like, he, he, even, like, if anybody saw his fights with uh, Palomino, like, those were fights where he could have lost, where he was getting tagged in those fights. But he just, he, he's just Gaethje. The dude's just like a superhero. Like, I don't know, man. This, this guy's just, he's different. They're they're human beings, and then they're Justin Gaethje, just, and we're just not like him. I, I straight up think Justin Gaethje will be either the first man to die in the octagon, <laughs> or the first man to kill another man in the octagon. <laughs> yeah, man, this dude, this dude, this is, he, really, he seems like the dude who you're going to have to literally drag away from fighting, like clawing and pleading. Right, like you, you can't do this anymore. Like your brain physically, just, just can't do this anymore. Like he says he's okay dying in the octagon, and like you believe him. Yeah, yeah. I definitely do. Like he, he's one of those people. He was born to fight. Like <laughs> he was put on this earth to just be violent and make money off of it. And like, there's no way Dustin uh, Justin Gaethje could have ever had like a freaking like a desk job, right? Like, fighting needs to exist so people like Justin Gaethje can express themselves, right? <laughs> In a legal fashion, you know. But props to both of these dudes, man. Alvarez Gaethje, a lot of hype. The fight lived up to everything we wanted it to be. We got a finish. But there's nothing else you could ask for. Like. There's nothing else you could ask for. Um, so yeah, can't can't wait to see both both of those dudes fight again. So uh, that, was that it for the main card? Uh, one more, Tisha Torres and Michelle Waterson. 
Oh yeah, that was that was the main card. Um, Tisha Torres takes a unanimous decision over Michelle Waterson. So this is this is like the best Tisha Torres has looked, and also the worst Tisha Torres has looked in the UFC because even her boring performances, she tends to be dominant. But that second round, when Waterson got when Waterson got her down. Oh yeah, with that uh, the little hip toss. Yeah. Um, and pro- like Waterson's one of the few fighters who I think actually does it right, where she like runs her body back in as the hit they're getting tossed, so that she ends up uh, she ends up on top and doesn't get her back taken. Um, yeah. but Torres pretty obviously doesn't train off her back very much. Um, Waterson was able to hold her down for like a good four minutes, and in that span, we saw Torres go for some um. Some, she made some bad decisions. Just straight up bad, like the arm bar, the wrong side arm bar that I've seen in like shitty YouTube BJJ self defense videos, <laughs> where she's like turning the wrong way on an arm bar. Like I, like I, I don't understand what she was doing uh, like do you remember that i watched this fight and for some reason it's not sticking like i feel like my takeaway from this fight was just like torres putting a lot of pressure on her or at least in the first and the third and it almost seemed like she was just a lot stronger than waterson was well minus the second round when waterson like pretty handedly dominated that round yeah the, um I'm not sure if it's because they were the same height, and Torres is like five foot nothing, so everybody she fights a strawweight is bigger than her. But Torres was literally just sitting down on punches and beating the shit out of Waterson on the feet. Like there were several times I thought she was literally going to like just knock her out. And that's the thing. Like what Waterson has like flashy strikes, but like I feel like she doesn't have like great hands really. And she tends to be, I don't know, like, she, she sits in that, like, that side stance, and she's kind of just waiting for the right moment to just kind of, like, throw something. Yeah. And I don't know, like, she, I don't know, it's, it's weird. Yeah, it's, it's, I've, it's, I've been critical of Waterson's potential at, like, strawweight because of her, like, her striking's more flash than it is. I want to say it's more okay. Not maybe not more flash than substance, but there's a lot of flash to make up for the last the lack of sub uh, substance. Like she's really not good from like punching range, and, and we saw it here where like <clears throat> Torres crowds her so she can't get the kick off, and just unleashes like a three punch combination that she has no answer to. Yeah. And she's another person kind of like Sergio where it's like I feel like she's really really talented but it doesn't always like come together like it just seems like there's something missing and the craziest part about that is she she could arguably be undefeated and have a win over the current champion like I, I, I like I hope this is a sign that her new training camp is she moved out to um, Colorado to be with her fiance Raquel Pennington. 
Also, probably in part because, the um, what's her name, Joanna Yanjajic, wild champion, moved to ATT. That probably had a little bit to do with it. Um, yeah. But I, like, I like what they're getting her to do over there in Colorado. Um, I don't know where she trains. She definitely doesn't train with elevation because I think that's where um, what's her face trains. Rose. Triple Threat Gym in Colorado Springs. Uh, ho- ho- hopefully they get her to sit down her punches more. It's a boxing gym, so they're the ones who trained um, Raquel Pennington to be such a great boxer. So I'm looking forward to Tisha Torres getting better. Does she have a one streak going? I feel like she has a one streak going. Three in a row. Uh, she's making her, her her way. Uh, yeah, her only ro- her only loss is the Rose. Yep, that fight she arguably won. Like I thought she lost, but she also managed to knock Rose down in that fight. I'm glad she's doing well though, because I was a big fan of hers and Invicta. I'm glad she's still still sticking around. And I mean, it seems like once she got to the UFC, she tried to be like Jessica Aguilar. Like where she would just like crowd people. I mean, I don't think that style works for her. Oh, she trains at altitude MMA. That makes so much more sense. I'll see. I mean, well, she's ranked number five, so I mean, I feel like arguably another win, she she might find herself in like a title contender fight. I mean, I th- I think the next since it seems like every all signs are pointing towards um, Joanna and Jade Chick getting her rematch. Uh, and I assuming the winner of Carolina Kovalkovich and Jessica Andrade, which we forgot to announce. Uh, oh yeah, 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 that's a fight, and it's happening in um, I think Orlando. I could be wrong. Um, that, uh, but I think the winner of that fight deserves a title shot. Next, um, do Torres Calvillo? Torres, if Calvillo beats um Esparza, yeah, why not? Oh yeah, I forgot. That's just that's happening. Yeah, it's the Fox card, Fox twenty eight in Orlando. So we'll see. But yeah, solid performance from Torres. Um, oh lord, I just lost the card. Okay, here we go. Um, oh man, this next fight. So yeah, I only got a chance to watch this fight once. Th- this this fight was um Paul Felder and <laughs> Charles Oliveira. Um, there were just so many points during this fight where I felt like Paul Felder's cornerman must have been just—I don't know—because he he was playing with fire, man, in this fight. At, at one point, he was in a darse choke that I was pretty sure he wasn't gonna get out of. But not only did he get out of it, he he was content to just play in Oliveira's guard, which we've seen for a lot of people doesn't always work out so well. <laughs> but like he was content to hang in this man's guard. Like he he was, he was fearless, and I thought it was gonna cost him, but uh, el- elbows saved the day. That elbow he landed, um, not not the ones that like finished the fight, but the one that like dropped Oliveira to even just get him to the ground. Like I don't know, man. This this dude, I, I like I enjoy watching Felder fight. And I didn't think he was going to pull this one out because it just seemed like Oliveira just had so many, 
so many tools on the ground that could have worked in his favor and Felder were just finding ways to get out and yeah elbows of doom they work <laughs> elbowed him to get him on the ground elbow ground and pound bloody uh Dubronx's face up great great win for Felder like you played with fire and you won this Somehow. this was a, like um Belcher versus Paul Harris pretty much yeah like Charles Oliveira really is just like um Paul Harris like uh, if he can't get the submission and you're able to make him pay for not being able to get the submission like he breaks like I think I forgot heading into this fight just kind of, like he's kind of fragile like for if for no if only because I can't think of another word to describe him like the Cubs Swanson knocked out um what was that fight uh the uh the Holloway fight where like he gets I don't remember I don't remember what injury he claimed to have had but apparently it was nowhere near as bad as he claimed it was like th- there's a dude who kind of crumbles when he re- he meets resistance to, despite the fact that he's literally one of the best submission artists MMA's ever had All right um and Felder did a great job of just like Staying calm, creating enough space so he could keep breathing and not go out. Um, and then when Oliveira eventually um, did start like letting up, finding a way to get on top, and immediately deliver immediately delivered ground and pound so that Oliveira understood that like this was not a safe place for him. Um. I will say there was um, a takedown attempt where Overa laced his legs through Felder's and then wrapped his body around like one of his legs to go for like a takedown, which I thought was really neat. Oh yeah, I do remember that. Um, probably that's a perk when you're as lanky <laughs> as Oliver is. Yeah. Um, also, Felder. Yeah, I thought the fight was over when Felder started trying to lock up Oliver's legs while he was in the Dars. Because I'm like, dude, you're, you're just making it tighter. Right. <laughs> Even Rogan mentioned that in the commentary. Like, that's the worst thing you could have done. Like, It seems like he noticed right away, though. I'll give him that. Like, He was like, oh, crap, I'm doing this wrong. <laughs> it's still crazy that he even got out of that Dars. Yeah, like, no. like, uh, uh, Yeah, I don't know how he got out of it. Being this is his nickname, the Irish Dragon. Yep, something like that. He's earned it. This like yeah. Felder kind of got thrown into the fire like a little early. Like he had he had to fight Barboza. Who's the other dude he had to fight? Um, not Magdesi. Was it Magdesi? Uh, no, he fought Pearson. Pearson, that's who it was. Um, Barboza, Pearson, like Trinaldo, like those are all tough ass fights. Especially for somebody who, uh, like previously had like only a handful of of UFC experience. Like there's a dude who knocked out a, a declining Danny Castillo, and then was thrown into Edson Barboza. Like, 
slow your roll a little bit, you know? Yeah, I think they wanted to. I felt like they wanted to push him, and like at that point, he had only been fighting for like three the like three years. Yeah, they they tried to throw him up there, but he he he's still a good talent though. Yeah, but he's no, well, he's a great talent. Like he's evolving yeah. into like a great talent. Like, this is six year fighting. Like everything seems to be coming together. He's like a he's on a nice little run. Uh, three stoppage wins. He knocked out Stevie Ray. Like Stevie no. Ray's a good win, and he like he, he's fan friendly too. Like if you watch a Paul Felder fight, more than likely you're, you're gonna be entertained. Oh yeah, and he's also really good on commentary. Yeah, so Paul Felder, well rounded. Yeah. Shout outs to to the Irish Dragon. Um, it's still weird that Oliver muscled Will Brooks. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I need to rewatch that fight. I, I still don't understand that. Fight. Well, Oliver muscled Felder for like the first four minutes of this fight. Like, maybe if he must be just a lot stronger than he looks, because he's just a real scrawny kind of lanky kind of dude. He, he must be like deceptively strong. Yeah, yeah, Will Brooks is a a, a thick. <laughs> like, he's got that lanky power, you know. Yeah, it must because he yeah, but. I like I like Bronx though. I like Bronx. I do too. I just I wish he was a little sturdier. Yeah. Pretty sure he'll be back. He'll, he'll probably have some more cool submission wins coming uh coming soon. And Felder will probably be back elbowing people. Um. Oh, this next fight. Yancey Medeiros, Alex Cowboy Oliveira. Um. <laughs> For like combined, they got dropped like twenty times. <laughs> like, like, uh, what was it? I can't remember. Yancey dropped him with a left, and then Cowboy dropped him with right. What might have been vice versa? Oh, like in the first ninety seconds of this fight, yeah, uh, Yancey Medeiros drops Cowboy Oliveira. Cowboy Oliveira, you know, fights his way back to his feet. Blitzes, <laughs> like. <laughs> Vitor Belfort, Vanderlei Silva style blitz. Uh, Medeiros all the way back into the cage, wraps him up, and proceeds to knee him as hard as humanly possible in the groin. <laughs> the ref steps in to break up the to break up the madness, and as Oliver is getting pulled off of Medeiros, his face just starts leaking all over the cage mat. <laughs> Like a yeah, his his nose was completely just. I don't even know how it was hanging on his face. Like it was just completely busted. Yeah, th- this this fight was kind of like the Gaethje Alvarez fight. Like it was just violence from start to end. This is kind of like how I thought the Gaethje Alvarez fight was gonna go. Right. Yeah. Like it's crazy. This yeah, this fight was bloodier than what that fight was. It was it, it was straight chaos. Yeah. Like, the the rest of the first round was Oliveira knocking Medeiros down like four times and just having him up against the cage and just beating on him. Like it 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 was borderline ten eight. Maybe even ten seven. But Yancey Yancey stuck in there. I think I like that Oliveira was working those kicks. He he was throwing those those uh, body kicks pretty consistently. I feel like Oliveira's downfall was that he's he's kind of a, a 
I'm going to say an easy target to hit, but he doesn't do himself any favors. He doesn't really move his head a whole lot. Yeah. So, like, when he's plotting forward, he, he's just there. It's just straight line. If you, if you, if you throw, you'll hit him. <laughs> and, like, yeah. Like, I feel like that's how he kept getting dropped. Yeah. Like, the second round was Oliveira landing, like, the bigger, flashier power shots. But Madero's countering him over and over and over again. And just, like, keeping it on, like, over that broken-ass nose he had. <laughs> yeah, and that ending sequence, I don't even know, like, what happened. Because, like, there was just a point where, like, Oliveira just backed into the cage. Like, I don't know if he got hit by something before then, or if his nose just decided, you know what, we've had enough, and it's time to just... Oh, yeah, that was an absolute Rory McDonald <laughs> moment. Yeah, because he, he just literally just backed up into the cage, and he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. And Yancey just teed off on him. And, yeah, Ruff had to come in and pretty much save this man's life because he, he had clearly just had enough. But, yeah, that this fight was just violent, just nice, brutal, violent blood everywhere so many knockdowns like <laughs> it's insanity the fight was just pure insanity but awesome performance from Yancey another Hawaiian on the car getting it done um I love I love watching I like watching both of these dudes fight this fight actually kind of flew under the radar for me I, I forgot this was even happening but th- this was definitely a treat dude um like Oliver is such a great athlete but he came to fighting so late. Like, this is what happens. Yeah. This isn't the rodeo anymore. But, I don't know. He, he's still, yeah, he, he's just a big, dude is huge. Like, <laughs> how he used to make lightweight, well, he struggled to make lightweight, but. The fact that he was even a, a lightweight at one time is, is like, mind-blowing. Yeah. But, awesome fight from both these dudes. Um, Alright, this next fight, unfortunately, I can't really comment on because this was one of three fights I did not see. So, this was a um, clusterfuck of, like, epic proportions. Alright, so always got to be one. Uh, So, like, let's say the first 60 seconds of the fight are... um. Tamor is just like kicking close and he's like he is um moving out of the way he's circling and kicking he's pot shotting with like body kicks and leg kicks and stuff like that and Drakkar close is getting very upset <laughs> like like he's gesturing to like uh, no, uh, sorry uh, he's gesturing to um Tamor to like you know come and engage with me throw some punches blah 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 like meanwhile all the offense is coming from Tamor. Tamor is working. So, Close looks to Herb Dean, who looks back at Close, yells time, and gets in Tamor's face and is like, you have to engage. Which is bullshit. <laughs> because, again, Tamor is the only dude working. So, at that point, Herb Dean has made it pretty clear that he wants 
um, Tim Ward to play Rock'em Sock'em Robots with, like, Shakar Close. Hold on, so how, how's the crowd reacting the whole time? This oh, they booed the shit out of him when this was happening, because, like, Tamor, I think they knew that Tamor was the only one actually fighting. So, this, the entire fight is basically Tamor kicking the shit out of Drakkar Close. I actually think his leg was more messed up than, um, Joe Rogan com- uh, was saying on commentary, because it was, like, it was actually turning a different shade of purple. But, um... Ooh. Yeah, no, Tamor... Kick the shit out of him for like fifteen minutes, and a blanket decision. <laughs> like and Dracarcos was just very upset that Tamar would not engage with him for like the entirety of the fight, and that's basically how the fight went. Uh, also, um, there was a few eye pokes. Like actually, almost immediately after Herb tells um, Tamar that he has to engage more, there was an eye like Dracarcos pokes Tamar in the eye. Tamor turns to Herb and is like, what are you going to do about it? And Herb just lets the fight go, continue and, like, Drakkar lands a couple shots off of it. So, uh, Drakkar, uh, Dave, uh, Tamor got him back, though, later in the fight because he poked the shit out of him. It's <laughs> always got to be that one fight of just shenanigans. Yeah, but good one for Tamor. Um, I, I, like, close... If Close had fought like he did in the third, because he was actually like throwing punches and like gra- trying to like grab the leg and throw off of it, and like he would shoot for a takedown, and when it didn't work, he would try to um, punch him on the break. Like those were the oppor- those, like, those were the opportunities he could have made for himself, but he didn't because he chose to play to like the ref. So whatever. I have to go back and watch this. Uh... <laughs> he stop a fight. Yeah, I like her, but he he has moments sometimes where it's just kind of like. I mean, he had one earlier on this card too. Oh, oh yeah, we haven't even. Oh. <laughs> we haven't even gotten that. Oh man, um, I guess uh, going on down the line, uh, Felice Herrick and Courtney Kate. Hold on, Courtney Casey Sanchez. You get married? Or something? Uh, she is married. Okay. Um, I was about to say that definitely wasn't her name like a month ago. That was. It was what? before it was before she wasn't even in the USC. Like I think she goes by Courtney Casey, but like her husband's name is Sanchez. I I'm not hundred percent sure on that. You know it was really weird. Like um, one of her like her stepdaughter follows uh, like me on Tumblr. I can't remember what her name is though. They got connections. Yeah. And she said Sanchez. So who knows. I don't know. Maybe she right. maybe she got divorced in the meantime. I don't know what, what her <laughs> life is like. Man, Felice Herrick uh, has been like quietly on a little run. This is now what one, two, three, four in a row. Yep. And like at thirty three years old, she seems to be getting better <laughs> somehow. That, that's what like, happens when you get when you um you get a, cons- a consistent schedule, and you're making money where you can stay in the gym. Yeah, like she's been improving with age. Like this is her this is and... her third fight this year. She's beaten Alexa Grasso, Justine K- uh, Kish, and Courtney Casey. Like that's a good run. Yeah, and like she's looked good in all these fights, and she looked she looked pretty good in this one also. Like she put a lot of pressure on Casey. I think she was trying to negate that that reach and and length. So she she did a good job of getting in close, flying off the right hand. 
I don't know if she, I don't know if she like hurt Casey or nah. I don't know. It felt like somewhere in like the second or third, like Casey wasn't engaging as much as she. Look, I don't Casey's know. Been known to kind of slow down as fights go on. Yeah, it just seemed like she just kind of wasn't. There wasn't any. I don't know. It, it was I, <laughs> like we said it was about a couple people. It was like after the first round, like she just wasn't engaging as much as she she. I've like seen from her before. Yeah. Um. So like the big problem with Courtney Casey is like she's this big, powerful, athletic, strong woman, and like you, she barely ever kind of like enforces that. She kind of just goes with the flow of the fight. Like going back to her fight with Jessica Aguilar, Aguilar got her down whenever she wanted, but Casey man like managed to win every single one of those exchanges by up kicking her like a million times. And that that's kind of just like Casey's game in a nutshell. She'll fight you on your terms. And if you're good enough to get around the fact that she's this big, powerful person, like you're more than likely to walk away with a win. And, um, Herrick did a really good job of just like making, uh, taking like pepper off of uh, Casey's shots by like really closing in the distance. Um, she made sure she was the last one to land on each exchange. Like she landed with that big left hook at least four or five times, and that's a that's a point score in a fight where like it doesn't look like either person is getting hurt. Um. She she fought and she was able to bring Casey to a fight to fight her at her pace. Like Casey fought the entire fight with her back to the cage, trying to counter Herrick. And that shouldn't be her game. Her game should be aggression and like getting in, putting punches in her uh, like her opponent's face. Well, little bulldog got that W. We should, oh, I, I, we also <laughs> forgot uh, to mention the best part of the fight. So oh, I only watched this one, so this fight isn't. It doesn't. I can't remember it as clear as the other ones. So at one point in the fight, Casey is very like frustrated. So she takes the a little bit of the oh, blood, yeah. the blood leaking from her nose, and flicks it at Felice. They then they both they then both exchange with the double birds, and right. FS FS one is forced to cut away. <laughs> I think. That was the point in the fight where I was bothered because I was like, Casey, you're so mad, but you're, you're not doing anything, man. Like, you're not... I get... I, where, I, where's I, the office? I want to say it's like the weight cut. Like, because, like, she... She's known for, like, having these, like, strong first rounds and then just, like, falling off completely. It happened against Calderwood. It happened against um, Soyam. Like, uh, maybe try 125. You don't gotta cut the weight. You'll still be pretty damn big. Right. I'm about to say, yeah. You won't. You're probably not even giving up size to anybody. Like, yeah. She. She. I feel like she. She's really, really talented. But yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's just the weight cut, but yeah. That that whole bird flipping thing, kind of. <laughs> that was that was a wild moment. And then like right after the fight, they shake hands like it didn't happen. Like they were all cool. Yeah. Even though Casey was pissed that she dropped the split decision. Like, she seemed pretty adamant that she thought she won. But, um, shout-outs to Felice, man. Like like I said, quietly on a, a four-fight win streak. Um, Maybe have her rematch, um, Tisha Torres. 
Yeah, if I say at this fight, I, at this point, I say she's earned it, and like I said, she's seemingly getting better with age. So, um, yeah, man, shout outs to her. Keep on, keep keep on improving. Oh Lord, this next fight, <laughs> Amanda Bobby Cooper, Angela. How you say her last name is Magana, 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 Magana. Um. Yeah, Amanda Cooper uh, beat the brakes. <laughs> yeah, this fight wasn't uh wasn't really close. Um, takedown and just kind of just beat her up. Like it was like beating up your younger sibling. Like, <laughs> which is funny because like Maganya looks like she's a foot taller than her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Like, there's no other way to put it, man. Like, Amanda just, you just beat the brakes off her. Like, just took her down and just, just mm, did what mm. she wanted. Like, that that was the fight. And it lasted two rounds and told the ref decided she had enough. <laughs> oh, God. Um, First off, I, I'm going to make it pretty clear I don't like Angela Magana. I don't think a lot of people do. <laughs> Hold on, did, did did she actually make the walk with the service dog? Because I heard her say that on Twitter. No, nah, she did not. Yeah, she was okay. She did not. Um, oh. like shenanigans aside, I do feel bad. You know, she was in Puerto Rico when Hurricane Maria hit, and that's where she spent most of her training camp. Apparently, um, for those who don't know, Puerto Rico, like half the island, is still without power, um, and a good amount of the people there still don't have like access to like food and clean water but um so like to see her come back after what two years away is uh under those conditions is kind of sad that being said why is Angela Magana still in the UFC oh boy she. Let's 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 click on her. Uh, what's what's the record? All right, she's eleven and nine. Um, oh, you. She is on a one, two, three, four, five fight lose streak. She entered the UFC on a lose. Yeah, she got signed off a of tough. Yeah, this uh hasn't gone too well for. Her. <laughs> And don't get me wrong, like most of her losses are to good people. Like Jessica Aguilar, she lost her twice. Um, Jessica uh, Panay, like Panay was once a good fighter before Jessica Ioana uh, and Jacek happened to her, and Jessica Andrade. Um, Je- Jessica I was a solid flyweight before ever getting the UFC. Stephanie Agnick, uh, Ag- Agink is like a former junior Olympic boxer. Tisha Torres, Michelle Waterson. Um, Amanda Cooper, probably the worst of her losses. And Cooper is a promising prospect who just so happened to have run into Satiana Suarez, Cynthia Calvillo, and Aspen Ladd in her first six fights in MMA. So, you know, women's MMA wrought with tough matchmaking from the get-go. That being said, she probably shouldn't be in the UFC anymore. Yeah, I mean, she didn't. She didn't even really get a chance to show anything in this fight because he just Cooper, got a rag yeah, doll. Yeah, <laughs> Cooper, Cooper, big sister, to her. pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that that was this fight in a nutshell. Like, there's not a whole lot to even dissect. Either. She got sunned. <laughs> like that was that was it. She got sunned. Yeah. Um. um Cooper looked smarter than before. Um. Like she fought smarter. Um. When when she was on Magana's back, just beating the ever loving crap out of her. Uh, she would not. Uh, and she would switch up and try to go for a rear naked choke. She didn't try to force it. Like, once she realized she didn't get it, she went back to punching. That That's something, like, a lot of young fighters don't get, and they end up losing position. Um, I want to say Torres ended up at the end of the third round against Waterson. Ended up, like, on the ground because she just didn't realize she was so high up on her hips while um, Waterson was stacking. Mm-hmm. So, like, to see that from Cooper, who is who has half the experience of Torres, is pretty... Pretty good. Um, yeah, that no, this was a good performance for Cooper. It was a good fight for her from the get. Um, hopefully, you know, she gets another fight that's not somebody who is just like a freak. All right. Because, like, dude, Cynthia Cavillo and um, Tatiana Suarez in your first, like, five fights in MMA is yeah, not that's fair. A, that's a tough, yeah, that's... Uh, I think she's what three and three. Three and three, and li- literally Tatiana Suarez, Cynthia Calvillo, and um, Aspen Ladd. Yeah, like those are like that's a murderer's row. Like <laughs> it's it's not it's not you know it's almost not even fair. It ca- you can't right. even hold those losses against her. Like yeah, but two and one in the UFC. Oh no, two and two in the UFC. Um, but yeah, ho- hope to see her back. Dominant, dominant performance. So uh, yeah, shout out, shout out to uh, Amanda Cooper. Um, all right, this next fight I did see, which did end in some shenanigans and also involved <laughs> Herb Dean, uh, Abdul Razak Al Hassan and Saba Homasi. Some even Saba Hamasi. Probably. So Hamasi. shout out to, um, to Joey who shared this little um, anecdote. That he heard on the Sam Kaplan, um, Jason Floyd podcast, um, the MMA Insiders. Um, Sam Kaplan, for those who know, was um, one time Bellator talent relation guy, I believe. I think that's his job. So, but he was talking about one time uh, Hamasi fought for Bellator. Uh, he ended up winning his fight. Uh, he, ended up, he also ended up leaving with like a ring girl and like he never saw him again. <laughs> Thug life. <laughs> he said, I got what I came here exactly. for. Exactly. <laughs> I also want to say hey, he was a stripper. Hey, man. The man has priorities. He has things and goals he's trying to accomplish. And, you know, he, he went after it. <laughs> Oh man, but um, yeah, this fight was pretty wild. Um, two dudes just kind of throwing. It's kind of the gist of the fight all the way up until the end. Um, so that the ending sequence after these two men have thrown everything but the kitchen sink at each other. Um, I think Hassan had him backed against the cage. They're both exchanging. Um. At one point, how did he fall? I'm trying to remember how he ended up on the ground. 
Cause he did. Did he did? I don't think he got hit. I, or did like, he? I'm not even sure. Cause like they did the replay, I, it looked like it might have landed, but um, it can't be 100. percent Yeah, like I, in real time, it looked like he got hit, but at the replay, I like I don't even know if the punch landed. But he, he, he either fell way, straight on his ass. Yeah, which is I guess, and in that case, I, I guess I would could kind of see where Herb Dean was coming from because like. If you just look at the motion, it, it does look like he got hit and he just kind of like fell forward. But like he he fell and he dove on the leg. Yeah, he dove on the leg, which I think showed he was still, you know, somewhat cognizant of, of what was going on. But like immediately after he face plants, you know, her calls it off and well, like that's the thing. Like he fa- he doesn't face plant because of the punch. He face plants because he's diving on a leg. Like, yeah. And his head hits off the ground. I think Herb thought, oh my god, this man lost consciousness. And right. he was on the complete opposite side of... um, like He was on uh, Hassan's back. Like He was looking over Hassan's back, so he had no view of um, Hamasi. So I, I just think it was just poor positioning. Yeah. But good news, you said uh, this fight ended in controversy because of the stoppage, but it got rebooked. Um, yeah, UFC 219, according to Dana. They're going to put it on there. And it, good, because this was a great fight, and I'm yeah, it was there's a, a chance of winning. Yeah, and it was a, a pretty action, like, I can say pretty. It, it was an action-packed fight. Like, it was violence from beginning all the way up until, you know, that unfortunate end. So, glad, glad they'll get to, to square that off again. Um, I'm I'm really angry at myself for missing this next fight because I <laughs> I've said a lot of good things about Dominic Reyes on this podcast and I, I I missed this fight I just completely missed it I think what had happened was I was watching the beginning of this card and then like it went on like commercial break and I didn't think this fight had happened already like I I thought it was the next fight coming up. So I like just went away to do something. I was watching a movie, and then I turned back and I found out the fight. <laughs> <laughs> I was so angry. Uh, I still haven't went back to. I still didn't get a chance to watch this. I'm gonna have to see this because I've been supporting this guy. But Dominic Reyes, Jeremy Kimball. Um, well, I guess you watched it, so I'll let you talk about what I didn't get a chance. To um, nothing much to talk about really. Uh, like Kimball comes out and hits. Uh, gets a takedown. Reyes immediately gets up, takes uh, Kimball down, gets on top of him, uh, top of him, gets his back, and gets the rear naked choke. And it's it, it was all smooth. It was all clean. Like neither guy got hurt too much. Um, and Reyes lo- looked like a blue chip white heavyweight prospect. Really, like he's four and zero in twenty seventeen. Let's go. And. As I state, and I can't state enough, anybody at 205 who has an ounce of talent, I'm I'm all for. And especially this dude, he's young and has talent. 27 years old, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm pulling for you. <laughs> I'm pulling for you all the way to the top. We need as many new faces in this division as possible, and he, he seems somewhat promising. So. You have my full support. Yeah, I I know um, I I know he's listed as six four and everything, and like he looks it, but he doesn't look like a two oh five er. He looks like a middleweight. Yeah, he's not really that that big a guy, but 
But I don't know. He he seems pretty athletic, pretty skilled, Ath- and he can head kick you into another planet. Yeah, he hits pretty damn hard. Yeah, Seven so. first round finishes, eight wins. So, yeah, shout out shout out to Dominic Reyes, man. Yeah, if you guys don't know him, keep keep an eye out. Might be somebody hopefully at two hundred five in the near future. You know, who can pump, well, hopefully we'll pump a little life into this lifeless division. Right. Give give us some youth. Oh. It was a, a new new fresh face to work. I can't on. I can't so wait till he fights Glover Teixeira. Right. <laughs> Glover's his next fight. <laughs> oh, you beat Jeremy Kimball. You're ready for Alexander Gustafson. <laughs> oh man, two oh five. What what would we do without you? <laughs> this last fight I actually can't comment on because I didn't see this one either. <laughs> Justin Willis and Alan Crowder. Crowder. Um, did you catch this one? Uh, yeah. Um, oh, well, I caught the ending. J- Justin Willis knocked Alan Crowder into, like, next week. <laughs> it was a really nice punch. Um, hit, I want to say he hit him with, like, an overhand right. And then on the follow-up, hit him with a right hook that just dropped him. Like a rock. Ooh. Yeah, so big shout-outs to Justin Willis, who is, like Reyes, one of the few young... He's 30. Um, <laughs> one of the few young bright spots in like this division. I guess. Uh, like... Heavyweight, you gotta take what you yeah. get. It's kind of like two hundred five. You got, you gotta take what you yeah. get. Yeah. So, uh, shouts to Alan Crowder who basically got on into the UFC off of Dana White's fight series thing because he was a heavyweight. So that that did yeah. not work out. Uh, we we've said it before though. If you're, if you're over two twenty, and you're even remotely athletic. You can probably get into the UFC. You can knock a few people out. You'll, you'll get on the radar pretty fast. You don't even fast. have to beat anybody. Like you can go fight in like explode fight series, and then be in the UFC after like eight fights, like Johnny Bravo. <laughs> oh man! But so that was uh pretty much all of UFC 218. Uh, pretty awesome card, man, top to bottom. I I was pretty entertained. I'm. I'm it was kind of different for me because I didn't get to watch the entire event in real time. A lot of it I had to go back and watch the next day. But from from top to bottom overall, this, this is a really, really solid card. Really dope main card. Ended in awesome fashion. We got a lot of brutal knockouts. And we saw a man get uppercutted so hard his head almost fell off. Like, the dope card, man. Really, really, really dope card. Uh... I guess next next card coming up Saturday is um we get Cub and um Ortega and Ortega Ortega still hasn't won a round in which he has like finished his opponent by the way where he hasn't finished his opponent like I I think one of the judges gave him like one of the rounds in the um Moicano fight but I, I thought he had lost the first two rounds before he subbed him in the third. <laughs> I I love I'm I'm a big Ortega fan, hey man. However you get the W, whatever works, it works. 
I love watching this dude. Featherweight needs somebody to break through this top five where the guys are still in their prime. Yeah. Uh, also in the card, Jason Knight. Gonna be fighting Gabriel Benitez. Yeah, like this, this card has some good names. Eric Anders is back. Um, Liz Carmouche, who I feel like we've mentioned, like we just we want to see, like but just, never around. Right. Liz Carmouche, so, since making her debut against Ronda Rousey, like no, since 2014, she's had three fights. And, and from what I understand, she's been weird. healthy for most of the time. No, it's weird. I don't remember these fights. Well, they they were boring. Like, they were her <laughs> laying on top of her opponent or getting laid on top of by her opponent. What, Caitlin Chuk again? I don't remember. And this was on the Alvarez-McGregor. I don't remember this fight at all. But I'm glad she's back. I feel like we don't see her often, even though apparently we saw her last year. To me, it just we doesn't seem like once. it. <laughs> well, so, also on, that, yeah, also on this card, Marlon Marais, Aljamain Sterling. Yeah, man, Marlon's right back in there trying to keep the violence going. So, shout-outs to him. Trevor Guile. Um, Luke Sanders, glad to see him back. Yeah, this is a solid, you know, not huge on star power, quote-unquote, but there's still some names, prospects, veterans, good mix of, you know, and pretty solid uh, pretty solid matchmaking. It's a good car for Fresno. If you're, doing, you're just going to throw yeah. a fight night, so... Yeah, it's at so, the Save Mart Center, appropriate name. Um, yeah, no, uh, like it looks like a fun time. And after the week after that, we have UFC on Fox, Lawler, Dos Anjos, and that's just that's just yeah, top to bottom, fucking awesome. We also have Alessio Sakar and Bellator fighting. <laughs> <laughs> Carvalho for the middle. So we didn't get we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but Bellator one eighty nine. Oh yeah, that that did happen. Julia Bud the uh, versus Arlene Blankow in a rematch for the featherweight title. Blankow should have won. It was a god awful fight. I don't know how Julia Bud won any rounds after like the third. Because she threw like five total punches, <laughs> yeah. uh, strikes I should say. She didn't throw punches; she threw kicks. Um, yeah, no. And now Rafael Carvalho's back, the other man who should have lost his title fight for doing nothing, or other fighter I should say. So, but he's fighting us as a car. Oh my god! So I'm looking at the Lala Dos Anjos card. And there is a fight that sticks out like a sore thumb on here, boy. Jordan Mean and Eric Silva. That's perfect. <laughs> this fight just makes so much sense. It hurts. Uh, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Unless it's a car beat Joy Bell trying to Brian Rogers. I guess so. Hold on, I feel like I watched the Brian Rogers fight. I'm. I'm that one kind of sounds familiar. I don't remember the Beltron one, though. No wonder he's getting a title fight. <laughs> Jordan Mean and Eric Silva. That is the most depressing matchup. I mean, it's an appropriate one, at least. It is. It's very appropriate. It's appropriate for all the reasons that hurt. 
Uh, it, it is what it is. <laughs> but, um, yeah, <laughs> we're, co- we're coming up on about two hours. And 15 oh wait, minutes, really so. quick, Invicta. Invicta is next Friday. Oh. Invicta twenty six. Um, as much as we respect the crap out of Nico Montano, I think it's safe to say the the main event of Invicta twenty six will have the better flyweight champion. Uh, it's going to be Jennifer Maya defending against um, Agnieszka Agnieszka. I hope the guy said that right. They're going to be fighting for the flyweight title. Mackenzie Dern will be making her Invicta debut against Colleen Medeiros. Apparently at 115. I doubt it. So probably really a catchweight. Um, who else? Who else? Um, Karina Rodriguez. Next um Mexican potential star, like in the same vein as Alex Grasso, um, she will be make she will be fighting on that card um, at flyweight against Christine Ferreira, who is the woman who Tiffany Vanzos beat. And there's a bunch of other good stuff on that card too. So just tune in; it's good stuff. It's good times. Man, I haven't watched. I haven't watched an Invicta card in it's been a while. Shame. I don't know. I gotta get back on it. I gotta get back on it. I've been been slacking off. Oh, Amber, Amber but, Brown, Tessa Simpson. Wait. Oh man. Well, that's pretty much all the news and fights and things that have have gone on. So uh, I guess we'll just do uh, parting shots and shout outs. Um. Alright, one of mine isn't really a shout out, it's just a story of a thing that happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I just read this literally a couple minutes before we started recording. Uh, so, if anybody knows Martin Screlly, he's the pharmaceutical guy who owns the one copy of the Wu Tang uh, album Once Upon a Time in Shaolin. Uh, so, he had a little fiasco where he put a little bounty on Hillary Clinton. Yada yada, and the uh, government is seizing his assets, or, or or I guess in the process of trying to seize his assets. And two of the items that uh, are looking to be seized are the Wu Tang album "Once Upon a Time in Shaolin" and Lil Wayne's "Carter Five. This so, rem- that that happened. this reminds me of the guy who um who caught Barry Bonds' um, record-breaking home run. For uh, most uh, home runs of all time, and then he had to sell it because the government was going to tax him on it. <laughs> Man, this, this story is just bizarre. So, uh, as of yet, if they get a hold of the Wu Tang album and, and the Lil Wayne album, actually, they don't know if they'll become public record or if they'll just be sold back to the original owners. So, meaning Wayne's album will go back to Birdman. Wu-Tang album will go back to RZA. Um, but, you know, that, that that's the thing that happened. Um, and last, or actually, you know what? Two more quick shout-outs. Um, Glory 48, which I didn't get a chance to watch the entire card. I caught most of the Super Fight series, but I missed, like, the main card. Um, but uh, Tiffany Fanzust fought... Oh, see, Glory, you don't, you guys don't good do a good job because you don't put their first name. Anissa, <laughs> Anissa, uh, Mexin. So, 
I was watching this and Tough at the same time, but this seemed like a pretty close fight. But uh, Anissa did get the nod, so shout outs to her. Uh, Van Seuss. Was she undefeated? No, 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 no. She lost to, um, what's her name, Casey Reese? Or something like that? Um, in in my fight a while ago. Okay. So. Point being, Van Seuss has been a beast for a long, long time. Doesn't catch L's that often. So, but she, she took one in that fight. Uh, so, shout outs to, uh, really to both of them. It seemed like a pretty technical fight. Unfortunately, I was watching two fights at the same time, so I couldn't, you know, dive too deep into it. But shout-outs to them. Um, also on the same card, uh, Chris Camozzi won his glory debut. Against a guy. And a, yeah, I'm not sure this gentleman's name, but he kind of just walked dude down and did whatever he wanted. Um, also, shout-outs to Camozzi <laughs> for bringing out Tone Deaf. To do his in-ring <laughs> performance. <laughs> and it was kind of funny because I was watching... Uh, uh, for people who don't know, Tone Deaf is a, uh underground uh, MC out of Brooklyn. And um, he recently... Well, his, his Polymer album came out probably like a year ago. But he did a whole Kickstarter campaign to do um, like CD pressings and a documentary. A bunch of crazy stuff. So... Well, not a Kickstarter, but... the Whatever, whatever. If you research, you'll see what I'm talking about. But he had, I saw him posted on Twitter that he was walking Chris Camozzi out. So shout out to Tone Def, performed in Madison Square Garden. Um, I do really like Tone Def as a rapper, though. Po- Polymer is a really amazing album. If you want to listen to rap fused with, like, electronic and a bunch of other stuff, <laughs> that, that album's awesome. So, um, yeah, shout out to Glory48, Chris Camozzi. Tone deaf. Good stuff. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Um, for me, I got two. Um, first off, shout out to, uh, Naoko Fujioka, um, the woman fighting out of Japan. She won her fifth world championship in boxing, um, in her uh, fifth different weight class. Um, She's fought everywhere from minimum weight at like 108 pounds to like bantam weight, I think. Um, yeah, so she won the like WBO World Light Flyweight Championship on um, what was it Friday? So you know, shouts to her. Um, big shout out, especially because she's 44 years old. Yeah. Hmm. So, all you old people out there, you have no excuse. Like she legit, like she legitimately <laughs> didn't start boxing until um. So she's forty. No, she's forty two. So she didn't start boxing professionally until she was thirty four. Yeah, and she's won five world titles in five different weight classes. So that's amazing to me. Um, and also shout out to Miguel Cotto, who we didn't get a chance to talk about, and I don't think either one of us saw the fight. Um, he fought. Won Saddam Ali and what is what was billed as his retirement fight. Um, he ended up losing. I, I from what I've read, he did not look like Miguel Cotto of old or even the one that fought Canelo. Um, looked he, he looked his age. He looked worn. Um, it was a competitive fight. I think one like it was one fifteen, one thirteen on two of the judges' scorecards, maybe just the one, but um. 
Yeah, no. If this is really, and this probably should be the end of his career. Like from everything, from what I understood, like Cotto's one of those dudes who's been smart with his money, and he's had like a quite a few paydays, like like really good paydays. Like Rock, I, I, Rock Nation was supposed to pay him like ten million dollars for like one of his recent <laughs> fights. Oh, it was going to be for the um, for the proposed. What was it? Uh, what's the guy's name? The Ann Wolf fighter. Um. The guy um, Canelo made spit around. James Kirkland. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> made spit that, around. Yeah, Rock Nation was supposed to pay... Uh, that was supposed to be a pay-per-view. Rock Nation was supposed to pay Cotto $10 million for it. I don't know like who came up with that number. But that pretty much tells me everything I need to know about like Rock Nation sports. Um, but So I, I'm assuming he's taken care of. You know, like Cotto does not need to do this shit anymore. Yeah, he's won weight class. Uh, you think he's won titles in like five or four or five different weight classes? Like, I get some people don't. There, there's a surprising amount of people who don't who aren't on like who are down on Coyle's legacy, but dude's been an absolute pleasure to watch. So, you know, if this is really the end, it's been the great ride, and hopefully, you find something. To do that satisfies you. Go enjoy that money you yeah. made. <laughs> That's what you can do. <laughs> Just go chill out, go relax, spend time with your family, spend all that money you've been, you know, you've worked hard for all this time. Um, shout out to anybody playing fantasy football. I'm getting bodied right now. 143 to 75. You see, that's what me and you different. We're different, like. If I was losing, I, I'd be cursing out everybody playing fantasy football. Thing is, this loss is so bad that I can't even be mad. Like, I knew I was losing the second the game started. I started this day off down 83-7, to so I already knew it was a bad day. <laughs> because somehow Josh McCown got 31 points. Who is Josh McCown? <sighs> whatever, whatever. I, I don't even know who... Josh McCown's a terrible quarterback for the New York Jets, but somehow he got 31 points. And, yeah, whatever. Fantasy football's a whack, but I'm still number one in my league anyway, so whatever. You guys suck. Except for whoever's beating me right now. Hopefully I don't play in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that smoke. <laughs> but, anywho, this podcast can be listened to on YouTube, SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes. If you listen on iTunes, please like, subscribe, rate, all that. Also stuff. like on YouTube. Yes, also on YouTube. Um, and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, if you have any questions, you can send those to Dojo Talk Podcast at yahoo.com. Um, as I say, I check it about once a day, see if anybody sends any cool messages. So, you know, drop by, leave a comment, you might read it on the show, and yeah, pretty much it for this week, uh, we'll be back next week, of course, to talk about Ortega and Swanson Card, I'll also have some music reviews, hopefully, lined up soon, and yeah, the year of MMA is actually almost coming to a close, I want to do something special for you know what, I'll, I'll keep it under wraps because I don't even have any ideas. So I'm just going to shut up. I'm not going to throw anything out there. I don't want a lot of y'all. But, 
<laughs> we'll try to do something cool before the end of the year. We'll, we'll just keep it at that. But, as always, anytime people are being punched and or kicked in the face, we will be there to talk about it, and hopefully we'll catch you guys soon.